This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. What is the deal, Panther fans? You're here for the C3 Panthers Podcast. It's Tuesday night, it's 9 p.m., and it's the longest-running Panthers podcast. It's a special night as we kick off our eighth season as a show. We don't miss a week, we don't miss a beat, and we don't miss any Panther news. And I always make sure I chop it up with my homeboys, Cody Lashney in the house, I'm glad to have you as part of the crew heading into our eighth season. Tony Dunn, I'm glad to be a part of the crew heading into the eighth season. I love being here on a Tuesday night talking Panthers football with the most lit Panther fans on YouTube. And they're all here like they always are. Underground West, Sarah Taylor, God of Blackness, Brad Dugan, Trill One, Tin Tizzy, of course. Tony Dunn, ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. All right, if we could get a little uh, thumbs up from the YouTube chat, not only on the window uh, on our show, but also letting us know that the audio is okay. Greg, the Bat Daddy, uh, are you in the house tonight? I am in the house tonight. I've been in the house most of the day, man. Had a Tuesday off. So I had something to look forward to other than this show today, man. Like, usually it's the only thing I have to look forward to on Tuesdays. But uh, good day off so far. Played a little golf. Right on. A little yeah. golf. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, and we also have CK. How you doing, my friend? I think. Is he not here yet? Uh, he, he dropped out, uh, but... He, dropped he, he out, dropped came back on. All right, guys. Tonight's show <laughs> is episode... This is 18.1, guys. Uh, no, what are we? 20.1. Because we're in the 2020 calendar year for us, anyway. Like I said, it's the eighth season, the longest-running Panthers podcast. And I tell you, I don't know if you guys think we're the best, but I tell you, we are the most consistent. We won't quit, even if you don't listen. We'll keep talking all night damn long. And we want you to be part of that conversation by calling into the Cat Calls line. The number's 252-228-5098. You can follow me on Twitter, at Cat underscore Chronicles. And make sure you sub up on youtube hit the bell get notifications for any time we put out a video we're going to start putting out some more shorts i think as well as check us out on itunes tune in stitcher spotify wherever the hell you get your podcast at guys tonight's show is to pay or not to pay and uh, we have a kind of there's a little context for it is that obviously we're going to be talking about christian mccaffrey Um, and should we pay or not pay or what that will do to the organization. But also more news on the Greg Olson story and Cam Newton has made an appearance at the Super Bowl and it's got some of our hopes up, my hopes, that I'm right and Cody is wrong. That's kind of where I'm at on it. Um, So let's kick off the show talking about this. Cody, I'm going to go ahead and put up the image right here of 
Derrick Henry today, it comes out, is uh, the gridiron or somebody like that put out that Derrick Henry has announced that Zeke's number is the floor. And he is, Derrick Henry is coming off the rushing title, right? He's had the most rushing yards in the season. He was unstoppable as the season went on, at least until that final game against Kansas City. But he's in the final year of his contract. He does not have the luxury, I guess, um, like Christian McCaffrey or the Panthers have the luxury of not having to deal with Christian McCaffrey just yet. The Tennessee Titans do not for Derrick Henry. Is Derrick Henry going to get more money than Zeke Elliott? Uh, Yeah, because that's just the nature of the beast. It's the next man up. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're talking corner, defensive tackle, quarterback. uh, The next guy to get paid is going to be the highest. So I think right now we would probably all agree that in light of the Super Bowl, which we haven't talked about yet, that Patrick Mahomes probably deserves to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, right? Well, yeah, he should, but the quarterback that signs a contract after Patrick Mahomes will be paid higher than him. And that's just not if he's not as good, though. I don't believe uh, that's the case. I mean, it, I, I can, but here's the deal. You're it, really right, though. It, it doesn't matter who signs first. If Deshaun Watson signs first, Mahomes is going to have a bigger contract. Right. If Mahomes signs first, then Watson's going to have a bigger contract. Um, so, yeah, that's why this isn't surprising. Uh, but I think the question that we need to ask ourselves is if this is indeed true and you're Christian McCaffrey and you had 1,000 yards receiving, 1,000 yards rushing, you know, I mean, we haven't heard any inklings of this yet. But what if Christian says, hey, I'm in the prime of my life. I just proved to you uh, what kind of worth I am to have on your football team when you didn't have Cam Newton, when you didn't have a bunch of your playmakers, when your offensive line was subpar. I mean, there's never been a better time for Christian McCaffrey than than right now. So if at any point in time Christian says, well, I want more money, then, uh, I mean, are the Carolina Panthers in the midst of a rebuild? You know, we're letting all these players move on and retire and whatever. Um, in the midst of a rebuild, is it smart to pay Christian McCaffrey $100 million over the next four or five years? And I think that it's a legitimate question. It, it is a good question. Um, I think going back to the to the uh, Derek Henry thing, though, I don't think that you that he's going to set the market. Like, he had a good year this year, but this is his fourth season, and it's the first time he's had a breakout year like that. I don't think he's the running back that resets the market. I think they may franchise him and then um, see if he does it again and then maybe maybe pay him. But you're right. Whoever gets paid last is going to be the one who gets paid the highest. As far as Christian McCaffrey goes, man, um, if you're going to do a rebuild, I think that you have to you have to plant your flag on one player. And I don't know if we're planning on doing that with Cam Newton, even though I know he's coming back next year. Oh, so well, it's really just – well, we think. Yeah, we think he's yeah. right the best year. running back so in the game. So even if, if he's coming back to play his last year, and then we have a rookie quarterback for five years after that, it might not be a bad idea to put put your big money into a guy like Christian McCaffrey and have him be the rock, you know? Because uh, you want to be a quarterback for a while, and there's no other superstars because Keekley just left and Olsen just left, and, you know, Thomas Davis is not there. Like, there's no real stars to pay. So 
I say you pay Chris McCaffrey. Let him set the market. Well, the the complicating factor when it comes to Christian McCaffrey is and versus Derrick Henry, and and I would be cautious if I was a team just paying Derrick Henry. I I think uh, I would be a little cautious even if I was the Cowboys. What they did, how much they gave Zeke. I understand that Zeke did drive that offense just like Derrick Henry drives that offense, but. You know, is that when that style of runner, at some point, he's going to fall off a cliff. That's why he's going to want to get paid, right? On top of that, I just don't know how much of a comp it is because I think Christian McCaffrey leans more towards the Le'Veon Bell comp. And that is Le'Veon Bell's continued argument was, is, hey, you can't just pay me based on running backs because I do so much more than that. And Christian McCaffrey, I think, is the quintessential example of that is really he's a receiver and a running back and an everything. How about this? He's just a matchup nightmare. Yeah. Is this a matchup nightmare? I mean, he's proven to do all the things that all of his detractors said he never would. He can run between the tackles. I mean, he can stiff arm you, put you in the dirt, juke you out of your shoes. And I mean, to be honest, what's even crazy uh, and even scarier for uh, opposing NFL defenses is that I still don't think that we've seen the full potential of what Christian McCaffrey can do. I mean, if you look at what, you know, um, I mean, I watch a lot of college football. If you look at how Joe Brady's offense um, used uh, LSU's running back, man, there were a lot of really innovative passing plays and, and finding ways to get them the ball in space and, and doing a lot of different new things. And dude, I couldn't imagine what someone like Joe Brady would be able to do with a talent like Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, it's not like we're saying Christian doesn't deserve whatever new money he's going to get paid. Um, I, I just think, man, we do look at all the holes on the team right now that we have to one fill in free agency and to be able to draft, which we have a normal number of draft picks not any more or any less, um, you know, do you want to put that much money on a running back when, I mean, look at the running backs in the Super Bowl. Uh, Raheem Mostert, Damian Williams, both of them were undrafted. And by the way, today, uh, the Panthers signed Reggie Bonifant to another deal. Uh, oh, to yeah, so he can do nothing. Let me see if I can uh, get It's this a new regime, man. Can't he's going to keep Cameron Spain's seat warm. You know, all right. Let me see if I can get this video. I want to see if I got. I just tried to quick load this Christian McCaffrey. Who's the best running back in the game? I am. That's that. You hear that? By the way, you didn't say that last year. So, based on the year you just had, you now feel that you are the best running back in the game. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to start it That's again. a good answer. Right. By the way, you can't argue. I, I yep. believe in Saquon. What about Saquon but I, hope, but, but I hope Saquon gets to be where he is now. Sa- Saquon will say the same thing and deservingly so. But that's, that's just the competitor in us. You know, he's a guy. Uh, all these guys around the league. I mean, there's so many great back, back, great backs that I really enjoy watching. Uh, you know, but they don't do everything like you. You do everything. He, I think yeah. he's the most complete back in football. Running, catching. Saquon has something to say. But if you're talking about a guy that's going to tote the mail, there's a guy in Dallas wearing 21 that I'd probably defer to as far as talking to the mail. 21? Absolutely. You would take Zeke before you took Christian McCaffrey? I want to pound the rock. I don't oh, need my running on, back to on. catch the ball. Hold up. Time out. Time what out. Kind of Zeke, sure, like, does he not know who he's sitting beside? I, 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 I don't run the ball. 
You can run it. I just prefer 21. Look, Zeke might be a top five back. Maybe. 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 What? Hold on. What about all the off the field had drama? The best you don't have that with Saquon's the, the most talented. Saquon's way more talented than Zeke. Stop. Oh, my word. Lord have mercy. Run between the so I just had the best year, but I'm not the most talented. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> last year I just had a good year. So the reason I play <laughs> this, you, the, difference the reason you I play that video with him countering with that is he's got to sit there beside Booger McFarland picking his nose for ideas and he's got to hear that kind of stupid shit and he did say i'm the best running back on the league in the league and then on top of that he was not shy to say so i put up the best numbers i'm not the best question mark so yeah this idea i was speaking with somebody at work today and they told me that they just don't think that cmc is the type of guy that's going to saddle this team with an unnecessary contract and that he won't hold out. And I told him that first that he was a racist. Because... (laughs) He was uh, just saying that because he's a white boy? I think so. Is that, like, what evidence do you have that Christian McCaffrey does not care about getting paid or anything? Like, we don't have anything to support that. 100%. It's all based in people's preconceived notions. Even Max Kellerman and Booger McFarlane. Like it, it really this year it didn't matter to them because Booger felt like Zeke was the best running back in the NFL, and Max Kellerman wasn't ever going to say anyone other than Saquon Barkley. And it goes back to that. Yeah, there are a lot of stereotypes and preconceived notions that people just run with because they they, they think that's the gospel. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think uh, I agree with you, Tony. I think it could very easily pan out differently. You know, we listened to an audio clip last week or two weeks ago, and it, the guy referenced that um, McCaffrey's agent is the same agent that represented Chris Johnson. Uh, and he had a training camp holdout, and he was able to reset the market as a running back. But also that Christian McCaffrey was very conscious and aware of the stakes going into the NFL draft. And he sat, he was one of the first guys that kind of set that trend of guys sitting out bowl games. So it's not like Christian McCaffrey is naive to the monetary aspects of of the NFL. And if you are him, while you are probably going to have several more good years, this is a historic year. And if Derrick Henry is looking at his year as a um, an endorsement or um, where you give somebody uh, a mandate to pay him top numbers, I think Christian McCaffrey... Is, is 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 thinking the same thing? Yeah, why wouldn't he be? I mean, he For comes sure. from he comes from money. He he knows that, you know, you got to make it. I mean, his dad made was played a different time, but I'm sure for the time made quite a bit of money. Um, you know, he, he's definitely got it. All right, CK, your thoughts on Christian McCaffrey's payday to pay or not to pay? You know. Um... I don't see how you can have the the back-to-back years that he has and, and, and still expect to pay him the rookie amount. Now, there is an interesting storyline we haven't actually had a chance to even consider, and that is, for instance, what, what's going on with the Chiefs, as we've talked about, right? The Chiefs are 
uh, are saying that they don't want to uh, provide a new contract to Patrick Mahomes. And it's not about not wanting to pay him. It's about there's a huge unknown with the CBA. Mm -hmm. Huge. Like, and if you lock yourself in for a long-term major mega deal with one of these players without really knowing what the future holds, that's what's tough. The next few years are going to be really interesting with these uh, these potential free agents, these uh, these mega stars that are playing in a uh, rookie deal. All of that's going to be really interesting to find out how it's handled because the CBA changes a large amount of this, and I think that that's something that a lot of people weren't thinking about. Well, do you think the CBA is going to change current contracts or just contracts moving forward? I think it's going to allow for players to i think what the, the without knowing a lot about it um it's it's the exact reason you know kansas city is saying that they're not going to pay patrick mahomes this offseason is because you know they they just don't i mean they're not going to come out and say it but if you read between the lines based on what's been said is that the cba will be active in the next couple of years and so if you are locking yourself into that you don't know what you're locking yourself into and i know your question is how does it affect current contracts well we don't know Right. It will. It's going to affect everyone. It's going to affect every single yeah, person. Yeah, but likely makes- contracts are still going to continue to expand and go up. So I don't know if you're necessarily going to get a bad deal um, when it comes to... I think you're going to see more stuff with a franchise tag, potentially. And like you said, yeah. those early draft picks... You know, are there ways for them to get in and out of their contract or hit free agency, have an option earlier or something? But, but I, I can't imagine mean, contracts contracting. Well, it, well, it's not a matter of contracting. It's a matter of what power do the uh, the players then hold over their current contract. You know, you, there's there's so many things. Like how many players can – I mean, what, what, what power can they hold over – a forced release or something along those lines. There's a lot of different things that you could come into, and I just don't know what to expect with it. It's going to be insane. So do you think that Christian McCaffrey and these guys are going to be patient enough to wait? Now, Christian McCaffrey is a different story than Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry is essentially a free agent. Christian McCaffrey, they could – just be jerky about, or not even be jerky. They could just say, hey, we'd like to wait for the CBA before we lock in anything, and we have you for one, one more year, and obviously we want you to be a giant part of things going forward, but we're not at a stage right now where you can also bully us into paying you because you could just say, all right, if you're going to try to bully us, then we're just going to tank. Yeah. I mean, maybe I think um, one of the things that you have to, you know, play into this here, and I know we haven't talked about Cam Newton yet, but you're essentially going to be asking your quarterback and your star running back to play on a highly discounted contract going into this year with really not a whole lot of guarantees. Um, I know, especially for Christian, I think I think they go down as his contract goes forward. I could be wrong about that, but um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, um, I mean, we would love to uh, to have a Christian. I'm even wondering if maybe they sign him to a deal that isn't tops, but like maybe around third, second or third highest paid running back money. If they do a good faith deal now 
and come to him and say, okay, listen, us coming to you early and paying you now, it's a sign of, of good faith. We want to get to you before all of these other contracts blow up and go insane. Um, uh, you know, as a kind of like how the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles did with Carson Wentz. I mean, they basically decided to pay him early to try and get ahead of the curve and, and quarterback money. So I wonder if, uh, there could be a, something similar done with Christian, but, um, I don't know, man. We have a lot of holes on our team right now, and that's well. Let's the, ask that question, Cody. Is while he deserves to get paid, you have you raised a question that the football heads have been saying on Twitter in lieu of that Super Bowl game is: Do you want to sink that kind of money in a running back? But do you get to say that about Christian McCaffrey? Because I think there's a difference between being serviceable and being sensational. Yeah, the question is how much do you need sensational? I mean, do any of the running backs on the Chiefs and the 49ers, are any of them even close to the talent that Christian McCaffrey is? I, I don't think so. But neither of them needed a Christian McCaffrey. Like, it's a real but, brass you know, the Kansas City didn't strike fear into your heart with their running game this year. No, no, they didn't. But, at, you know, uh, again, the the point is... Like, this is not an indictment on McCaffrey. We all know that the dude is the best running back in the NFL right now, bar none. I mean, he might not be built like like Derrick Henry, but Christian McCaffrey, he, he can do more than everyone else. And when you have a player like that, yeah, he's better than almost everybody at his position. But it, it, at the end of the day, it's icing on top of the cake. It's, it, it's a luxury position, and it's not necessarily – that you have to have a talent like Christian McCaffrey to be successful. And especially if he's going to uh, set you back, what, 100 mil? I mean, So here's, here's yeah. one thing. Uh, can I address something real quick with Tony? Like you had said that that guy earlier said you didn't think CMC was the type to hold out. And, you know, we had the exact conversation with a gentleman at work. Um, and I, I've – and I appreciate your mentality there because that was actually a part of the conversation was, is it a race thing or is it that we believe that, that he just, he's got a different personality than these guys. And one of the things I was thinking about is somebody, a lot of these guys that are holding out have never, have not been in an environment where they've been raised. Well, like, right. Christian McCaffrey's dad played in the NFL, right? It's not like he, 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 these guys are searching for generational wealth where Christian McCaffrey is kind of bred into this world. And so that would be the, the reason that I could see him possibly not holding out is because, I mean, let's be honest, do they need it? He's accustomed to a certain way of life already. And these other guys are playing for the ability to provide for their, the rest of their lives where Christian McCaffrey, I don't, I, you know, I'm not saying he's not able to do that, but it just, it feels different. Um, but I would agree that I think he's still going to hold out. I just I wanted to address that I, earlier. I heard it. I couldn't uh, respond to it. But yeah, I think though, and I'm kind of with what Cody was saying is that you either believe uh, you already have an idea about what you think he is as a person or not. And while I don't necessarily think it was is like this person being a race racist, but for some reason it's kind of it's that in like that innuendo. You know, of yeah. 
Well, these, you know, the he's cerebral versus he's athletic. Those things, I don't think anybody ever intends to be, you know, blatantly racist when they do those types of things. But my point is, we just don't. I think you just gave me the only argument that I would consider right now is just that since he comes from money, he may not be as interested in money. That's the best argument I've heard. Not, he just doesn't seem like the type of guy. Because we don't know anything about him other than he's pretty quiet uh, and he's he doesn't overly showboat and um, that he kind of is clean cut when it comes very polished when it comes to the way he addresses the media and things. But we don't. I mean, for all we know, he could be a big asshole. <laughs> he could. He could. Um, and I like his confidence on that interview you guys were talking about, though, where he said, you know, just because my numbers are the best, I'm not the most talented. You know, um, you know that I think that kind of gives us a glimpse into how he feels about himself, uh, which isn't a bad thing. I think most guys in the NFL are going to say that they're the best uh, at their position um, or have the capability of being the best of preparation meets, uh, you know, uh, expectations. And so. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, I, I, I still think that he has the capability of holding out. I, I still think he could very well have the you know the the personality for that. Um, I'm just saying that if you want to believe that personality wise, he may not, and you don't think that you know, and and you're trying to not look at it from the perspective of oh, he's a white guy or you know Greg Olson didn't hold out. He was he you know did it this way, and you kind of use all these examples, and then you then point out Zeke who held out and Le'Veon Bell who held out. That, that does become almost race-related if you start looking at it that way. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of Christian McCaffrey doesn't need, you know, and he let's be honest, he's going to be paid more money than, you know, he's ever seen or his father's ever seen. So let's be fair yeah. about this. You know, I think, he is setting a bar. I think if people, if they say he doesn't seem like the type of guy that would do that, I think if they believe that because – he is his personality has never seemed to be like this is about me it doesn't he doesn't seem if you don't believe he's particularly ego driven then i think those are potentials that but i think this is i just don't see christian mccaffrey rolling over completely he might not even have to hold out he might just say this is don't come to me with no bullshit like you better come correct and let's not make a scene out of this let look. I mean, he's got the Panthers by the balls a little bit when it comes to star power. And speaking of that star power, guys, is there's been another thing and another man that we love. And uh, and I was saying this on the radio is I'm not yet emotionally attached to Christian McCaffrey like I am Cam Newton. I like Christian McCaffrey. I love. I think he's a fantastic player, and I'm so happy we got him because there ain't been nothing to cheer for but him. But I have not yet emotionally invested myself as much as I have with Cam Newton. So speaking of Cam Newton, is uh, let me see if this video will play. Oh, I got to change the audio. Hold on. We'll come right back to it. Um, Cam Newton, guys, was out on Radio Row doing the Miami thing, right? And uh, it was... Um, Guys, has has any of your perception changed after you've heard some of the things? I saw Cam Newton in a lot of um, commercials at the Super Bowl. He was very visible. Yeah. But you know what my biggest problem with that was? 
is not Cam Newton's presence. It's the lack of the Panthers' coverage of him. Like, Christian McCaffrey, there was a highlight of him walking into Radio Row and everything he did at Radio Row. But their Walter Payton Man of the Year, they had no kind of highlights on whatsoever. None. If you go to their website, there is no mention of Cam Newton. Uh, no mention of him talking about how he's going to be in Carolina. His goal is to be there. You know, and, and that bugs me more than anything. And if I were Cam, that would bug the heck out of me, too. I'm sitting here telling the world that I dedicate my life to you guys, that I want to be a Carolina Panther, and you guys aren't even going to have any type of coverage of me and what I'm doing for our organization out here, representing for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. That just bugged the ever-living heck out of me, man. All right, let's listen to this. This is um, Cam Newton on, I think, the Tiki Bar with Tiki Barber. And one of the most hotly debated or speculated upon topics, I think maybe behind, probably where's Tom Brady playing next year? Correct. And number two would be, you know, where's Cam playing? Now we know that you want to play and that you're, and you're taking the, the steps to make sure that you're able to play. Right. Are you going to be back in Carolina? Like, are you sure you're going to be a Panther? I, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You talked to Matt Rule yet? There's a, yes, sir. Huh? I, I uh, as a matter of fact, you know, it's a devastating to not have the coach who drafted you. But at the same time, you got to turn the page. Had an unbelievable conversation with Marty Herney, GM, uh, David Tepper, the owner, as well as, you know, Coach Rule, the, the new head coach. And, you know, I left that meeting inspired. You know, not only, and I told them, I said, I'm not, you won't find another person in that, in that locker room with more to prove, not only to you, but I got to prove to myself. Yeah. You know, I see a lot of, you know, young guns out here now. I look at Patrick Mahomes, even Garoppolo for that matter. And when you look at the, 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 the state of where the quarterback position is, you know, I was, I was a minority, you know, yeah. coming into the league yeah. now. And now I'm, a, I'm, I'm part of the majority of guys that, are able to run and, 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 and do athletic things and attack the defense in many ways than one just sitting back there and throwing the football. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's Cam Newton with absolutely. He uh, expects to be back, wants to be back as a Panther. And Tree 50, guacamole on a bratwurst. I'm going to say no go. Uh, keep your keep your cultures separate. None of that... Uh, um, what is it? Fuse. That's a fusion food right there is guacamole on bratwurst. But guys, after hearing that from Cam Newton, odds going up or down that Cam Newton is a Carolina Panther next year, or is this just smoke? Muted, muted, muted. Pardon me. Okay. Uh, so and if, Greg might be muted entire, not muted, but just missing. Greg, say hello. Yep, we can't hear you now. Yep, the yeah. weekly Greg saying, "Please listen to me. Please listen to me." So this is this is my thoughts on um, on this uh, uh, on this whole deal. There's one I love it. Like a part of me breathes a sigh of relief. Um, I have no reason to not believe. Cam Newton, um, but there is like, and look, forgive me, this is just the way my brain is wired. Call me a conspiracy theory if you want, but I think Cam Newton wants to play in Carolina next year, and this was a way of kind of forcing his hand, getting Panther fans excited about the prospect of Cam Newton coming back, even though the Panthers haven't really decided on anything yet. So it was almost maybe kind of like a power move made by Cam Newton. Now, I don't know this. I'm not even saying this is what I believe. Uh, I'm just kind of throwing this out there. Uh, that thought didn't cross my mind. Uh, 
but um yeah man i mean the the fact that he said he had a meeting with uh with david tepper matt rule uh marty herney and he laid himself out and he said that he had stuff to to prove to himself and i think that's when cam newton can be the most dangerous and especially you know he's been uh quoted a few times this week as having said there's a newness to the football team that's exciting um it's a new era um there are new people uh associated with the football team uh his offensive coordinator is a year younger than he is so uh there's a lot of reasons for cam newton to be excited uh, about everything going on right now and i think at a moment in time where so many uh brand name faces of the carolina panthers at a moment in time when they're all kind of hitting the exit button um cam wants to be a um a a a permanent fixture of the panthers that will be able to transition last era into this era and i think that's important to him so i'm still a little nervous just because we haven't heard anything in a more official capacity but it's definitely a start and it's certainly good news John Kid Co. Barrera says, "To be fair, the Panthers' Facebook covered uh, Facebook page did cover Cam walking the red carpet for NFL honors." Now, when it comes back to the Cam Newton situation, I think Sarah uh, Sarah Taylor said something that was smart. In the nope, uh, it was it, she says a lot of smart things, but it was Rex Smith. Uh, I don't think there's any way to answer the question if Cam says he doesn't know. The media is going to go crazy. And I think that we could, uh, is that my initial thought was some validation from my position where I've said that Cam Newton is going to be a Carolina Panther and I have been trying to fend off the arguments of Cody saying that more and more we're likely not to see Cam Newton. But when I hear uh, Cam Newton say this, initially I want to say, hey, uh, this is a good thing. At least it did come from Cam. If it would have been from the Panthers or the coach or the owner, then it's just lip service because we heard um, a kind of counter story from Greg Olson on the departure from Cam- from Carolina. But I think this is more and more news that one Cam does not is not afraid to play the final year of his contract. And that has been one of the things that initially started this conversation of Cam not being a Carolina Panther. And I really think at this point, it's up to the Carolina Panthers if Cam Newton is the quarterback rather than Cam Newton or anybody. Do they want to trade and just move on? Do they want to give it a go? And I got to say this, if I'm Matt Rule, I'm saying give me Cam Newton. If I'm Joe Brady, I'm saying give me Cam Newton, give me a known, uh, you know, a known commodity, and let let's do something with CK. Uh, after hearing these comments from Cam Newton, are you more mm-hmm. or wh- where are you at? Have you moved towards or away from Cam Newton? Because I know that Cody had been convincing you a lot that the time looks like it's nearing. I'm I'm so. The the farther away from that interview I got after that interview, I was stoked, right? Like we we had our entire conversation about Cam Newton and the uncertainty surrounding him for our, uh, you know, Greg Olson reaction video. Um, and, you know, I cut all that stuff out, right? Because 
I was like, oh, Cam Newton's here for sure. No reason, no, no reason to even put that stuff in there anymore because that uncertainty is so much slimmer. But then, you know, and I, obviously the Facebook coverage, and then I saw the lack of um, lack lack of Cam Newton on the Panthers app. Like I saw, I saw, you know, Bill Voth post something about Cam whispering to Russell Wilson. But I mean, outside of that, I just don't feel like I saw enough of what Cam was doing out there. You know, with his, uh, you know, his his speech that he was giving, um, undisputed covered that, but not not the Panthers. You know, at least from what my, what I saw. And forgive me if you guys saw that. So I became a little more weary that they're still holding all the cards, right? Obviously, you don't want to tip your hand too much because, from my understanding, they want to work him out in March to see where he's at and then make the decision at that point. So That is you, the report, right? Is that, yeah. And that makes sense because, look, the league year starts in March. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I, I get scared, too. What um, do those um, – do those workouts truly show, you know, can, if he was, if he is continuing to have problems with his foot, could he mask it? Would he, I don't know. But look, as I think that the needle swung a little bit back in favor of me, Cam Newton being a Carolina Panther. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, uh, the, the, the Panthers are going to see the, the reaction that Panther nation had to Cam Newton saying that, which was majority positive um and so when you see that and you see the the excitement and the elation all of a sudden a dead panthers fan base all of a sudden came alive because that was the first good news uh as uh, as everybody was saying on that post that we've heard about uh, our team in a, in a hot minute uh outside of the uncertainty surrounding head coaches and the uh and the uh, departure of greg olson and luke uh you know that 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 put a pretty big damper on our on our offseason already. And so that was a, an excitement that we had. And I, I'm convinced he's still going to be a Panther. The way I look at it is Matt Rule wants to win. At the end of the day, that's what his goal is. You know, and if you have the ability to have a veteran quarterback who can you you don't you can focus on other areas when you talk about a rebuild. Um, but he gives you the best opportunity to win now. And every, I guarantee you Joe Brady is looking to win now because I'm sure that he wants to be a head coach sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Rule wants to win now because, you know, he's got a lot of proof because he, it, you know, three years is a long time in the NFL uh, before you're successful. And so I'm sure he wants to kind of knock that narrative out that he can't be successful in the first two years of a program. Yeah, so, let me tell uh, you this is I don't care what assurances David Tepper has given Matt Rule and this coaching staff is that if we go out and we're two and fourteen next year and then we're four and twelve the following year, I'm not saying that we should move on. I'm not saying that David Tepper will, but I promise you that fan base will be ready. Like mm-hmm. that th- three years is a long time in being a fan. And I tell you this, is it feels like a long time since the Carolina Panthers have been relevant, even though we've had two good starts. Those yeah. fool's gold starts are easily taken away. It feels like a million years ago since we've seen a Panthers team that we feel confident in. And uh, I just don't know how much a fan base, particularly, I would say, as fickle as the Carolina Panther fan base is. Carolina Panther fan base, they don't even get angry half the time. They just stop paying attention. 
Yeah. Well, you've got to understand a lot of these other fan bases are like just run thick with their blood. Like they're they're just yeah, generational. Like they're, yeah, their dads were fans. Their grandfather yeah. were fans. And their entire world revolved around how well their their football team uh, did that year. Uh, you know, they talked. That's all they did. They they enjoyed their their holidays talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers or talking about uh, the Green Bay Packers and all that. You don't have that yet. I, I think it can happen, but I think in the t- today's world, the reason the the Panthers are what people would call way feather, way, fair weather, not way feather, uh, <laughs> fair weather fans is because we don't show that emotion um, because. You know, as as a as a or as a as a whole, I think there are a lot of us who uh, live and die by what the Panthers do. Uh, the majority of us here on, I mean, all of us here on the uh, Z three and in the in the chat room, I imagine, will be a part of that. But it just, I think it's a different era and a different generation. And because that, uh, you know, we're in a different generation. I don't know if we will ever have the same type of fan base that you have with Pittsburgh uh, and and Wisconsin and Green Bay. Um, but you know, it does, it does feel like we just kind of just go with the punches, whatever happens, happens, you know? Well, let's also bear in mind, we're kind of having to overcome the notion over the wine and cheese fans, uh, the, the, uh, that Carolina Panther fans, uh, typically are. And let's just remember the Kansas city chiefs just won the super bowl out of, uh, you know, or in the past. They hadn't been back to the Super Bowl in the past 50 years. Like You don't just all of a sudden have a fan base like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers and the Steelers. I mean, it takes time to build that up. And that's part of the reason why I think that, um, you know, David Tepper doing a lot of the things that he's done has really been important. I mean, even seemingly small stuff like putting the Panther logo in the middle of the field. Like, this field does not belong to the NFL. This is the right. home of the Carolina Panthers. It needs to represent the Carolina Panthers. And as we continue to go on, um, if we're able to build competitive football teams, then you're going to have a team that the fans in the region can consistently be proud of. And you have to build that, and it takes time to build. The Panthers just celebrated their 25th year in the NFL. I mean, I think we forget how young this football team really we is. are so, we are we need yeah. and we're actually starting to hit a point where we can have um a fan base that is you know lifelong invested. Life. Yeah. yeah is that my kids are not going to know a world without the carolina panthers so that, that's going to change them yeah no, i don't want to know i don't want to know a world without them uh greg i think your audio is back can you hear me now Good yes day. Like talking about what y'all are talking about, I think part of the part of what you got to look at is is like the Kansas City fan base right now. While they're crazy right now, and they're you see them everywhere, it's because for the last couple of years they've been good. Uh, you know, before that you didn't see as many. You know, they're, they're they're kind of closet fans too. I think part of Carolina not having as big of a fandom or fans not uh, you know uh, being as uh, I want to say flamboyant about. <laughs> about being a Panther fan, but it's not the right word. Uh, you know, as enthusiastic about being a Panther fan, because we've never had back-to-back winning seasons, man. Like, we've got, we've had good seasons, and we've gone to the Super Bowl a couple times, which is great, but if you're a pr- person trying to invest into a team, like you're your heart into a team, and you can't even have back-to-back winning seasons, it's difficult for some people to, to pull for that. I think that has to do with part of our fan base being the way it is. 
Uh, I mean, I guarantee you after that 2015 season, if we came back and went 12 and four and we'd had, we'd been in the playoffs the last three or last three years after that, I guarantee you the fan base would be a lot louder than it is now. Well, changes. look at how much better, to be honest, I would say that it's grown significantly in the last decade and particularly because yeah. of those three back-to-back years that you made the playoffs. And you need that type of not just consistent success, but kind of clumped up success right. to get uh, to get people um, emotionally ready for times that aren't good. And what I worry is like, look, is I'm at a my my alma mater is a small you know a smaller football school, ECU, um, but they've had some pretty successful times in their football history. But I don't know if we have the deep football tradition as a fan base to weather but so many bad years and we haven't had a winning season in five years and people are you know you get fatigued by it and that is ultimately a sort of fear that I have you know hidden about the Carolina Panthers and the idea of how do we make it through two years of dumpster dumpster you know, if you're the same, and you point to the San Francisco 49ers and look at how they have flipped around a team, but those guys have also like five Super Bowls in their history. All right. You know, so I do think it's slightly yeah. a different story when it comes to that. Now, guys, I want to go ahead. Let's pop right. in and let's hit some cat calls real quick and move this along, and then we'll come back and talk Greg Olson. And I want you guys thinking about where you want to take the show after this. So what are your thoughts on catcalling? Yeah, it's pretty You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... Yo, what up, Panther fam, Panther Nation, Tony, Cody, Cody, Greg, Les, Susan, everybody in the chat, all y'all. What up? You know who it is. Okay. It's your boy, the great Northern Panther, Josh from Mass. Josh from Mass. It's, a, it's about time, yo. It is Friday. <laughs> it's Friday night. And it's Tuesday. Spent any time on right. this afternoon <laughs> or this evening knows the big cat is going to be a panther next year. That's right. You heard it from the man himself. QB1 said it himself. You going to be a panther next year? His own words. Abso-fucking-lutely. So y'all can <laughs> put it to bed. Y'all can stop with him. It makes sense to trade him. It makes sense to cut him. It makes sense to milk him like a cow. It makes sense to do this, that. I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. I've been tired of hearing it. And now we're vindicated. We're brandicated. <laughs> yeah! Mandicated. Josh is with me. Get off right that bus yep. and get on your damn feet, Panther Nation. Because even though it is a dark time, we've lost Luke. We lost Greg. And we're going to lose some other faces. But man, I said it. Said it. Mr. Pepper has a plan. And y'all said I was crazy on the Twitter. Y'all saying I was crazy. <laughs> on the Twitter. 
But now that dirty white boy from up north. <laughs> no. <Nope. That> dirty <laughs> Yankee. No, Cam. Cam ain't going nowhere. Cam ain't going nowhere. He's going to be our quarterback next year. And he said it himself. People go, well, he's got, you know, he's been this, that, and then the third, and he's been hurt, and he's been this. The man himself said it. I got a lot to prove. Not just to the people in this building, but to my goddamn self. That mentality alone says it all. And did you ever really doubt it? I mean, come on. Did you ever really, truly, honestly doubt Cam fucking Newton? Did you doubt the competitor that this man is? Really? Did you doubt him? Then shame on you. And maybe you don't need to be a Panthers fan. Maybe you need to take, take like Ump told you, take two steps towards the door and just walk it out. Okay? Maybe you just ain't cut out for the keep pounding lifestyle. Because that's what we're doing. Tell all day, all night, off-season, on-season, training camp, Super Bowl weekend. We ain't in the Super Bowl. Don't matter. Call an Uber. Get a ride home. Because we going. We're going to be there. All right? Keep pounding, Panthers fam. This is Josh. Great call, man. Great call. Yeah, way to go, Josh. We're getting that ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's the keep pounding life. Let your lady know. Hey, ah. with Cam Newton in this in this whole thing, like I, I, I'm with him on this. I believe that when Cam says that he's coming back, even though it's not a guarantee, just because he feels that way doesn't necessarily mean it's where they're going. Uh, did y'all notice? Does Cam look different to y'all as far as like just his demeanor and his attitude, the way he speaks? Like he even toned it down he a little seems, bit with the way he dresses. He feels more ten- Yeah, he feels like, more intelligent. Yeah, like, almost. Well, he almost feels like he, he's kind of humbled himself. He's like, okay, I need to go out there and I need to do this. And he even talked about it. Like, uh, I sent a video clip uh, in the group chat. That's just because they had that hat on and them glasses. Well, I mean, that funky hair out, you'd still be like, hmm. (laughs) I just, but but he feels like he's he's toned it down a little bit. He feels like he's grown up a little bit. Yeah, I feel like he's speaking with more, like, you know, he would always have, like, if you, and people always pointed out, like, when he's, he's probably the least, one of the, uh, one of the quarterbacks that have more mistakes and, you know, words that he uses that he means something else and it being something completely different than what he's trying to say. When I look um, at the man's in the mirror, that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, so, so it's like, uh, it, it's really, uh, it's really interesting because like, I, I know what he tries to say sometimes, but I know that people are going to try to point out the fact that he looks like uh, he, he's not able to, uh, put together you know uh, a correct sentence from time to time but i felt like this this go around like he just he was speaking a lot more smoothly he wasn't um i don't, I don't know is that 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 speech he gave uh for uh i'm i don't know i can't remember if it was on under, under armor or what but it was, Oakley, it was definitely it was definitely one of the ones that uh uh that i was it's probably one of the the better spoken things he said and that's that actually encouraged me a lot to see him. It seems like he's definitely trying to pull himself into a, a, a different a different era in his life to where he's considered the mature uh, quarterback rather than somebody who uh, who is just there to have fun. Right. You know, it, I don't even know that it's changed a whole lot. I, I just feel like, you know, I remember uh, at the at the end of the Tampa Bay game, the last game he played – this past season, uh, me and Tony, who are both big, huge defenders of Cam Newton and the way he dresses, 
Um, after that performance and the way he looked in the post-game press conference, even we both were like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is not the time and place, and you do look like a buffoon right now. And I think that it's not necessarily so much that Cam has changed, but I feel like maybe he's kind of felt that same sentiment. Not that he doesn't still want to dress up and be flamboyant and do the same Cam Newton bullshit that he likes to do, but just that he he feels as though he has something to prove and everyone's doubting him and no one believes in him. And it would kind of be a bad look to go out there and um, and not even just the way he dresses, but, you know, in, in his demeanor, uh, I feel that he has the presence of a man that's comfortable and calm in who he is, the value that he knows he has and that he brings to the football team. And he knows what he still has yet to prove. Like he said, not only to the fans, to the owner, to the coach, but to his own self. And I think that's the most important part is that a motivated Cam Newton is dangerous for every defense in the NFL. I think you're also getting to see a Cam Newton, too, that doesn't have the moment, the pressure of the moment on him which can help him relax a little bit. You know what I mean? Catching him um, and, and his emotions is that he could be more prone to, you know, be, maybe becoming frustrated. I actually think he's just improved tremendously as a public speaker, and, right, yeah. and he should because – and I don't think there's anything wrong with that either because, you know, I – I still sound like a damn idiot half the time on this podcast and I speak for a living half the, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, and so to think that these 20, you know, I I give a lot of grace. I feel like to the 22 year old kid who's put, you know, put on the spot by all these reporters trying to get this and that. But I do, I I almost would say that it's like, there's a sort of a little more reserve reservedness to him. And that is like I'm ready for the story. You know, the story's not about me anymore right now. And look, he brought up Patrick Mahomes in this, and he's recognizing that whether or not it's right or justified because of the injuries and the crappiness of the Panthers' offensive line, he is not the star right now of the league, and he certainly could be. Um, I just I think I'm I'm happy. I'm very happy that Cam Newton isn't frustrated with the Panthers' organization. Yeah. Right. And um, and now that co- those comments too come on the heels or maybe not on the heels at that moment, but it was that day or right around that day that Greg Olson, it was announced. When was that Wednesday of last week? When did that happen, guys? Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Okay. So Thursday of last week, we'll get back to that. I want to come back to the Cam Newton, Greg Olson relationship and things. Also shout out to CK for, chopping up a reaction video for us guys for the c3 channel you can go and check that out on our youtube channel and i'm going to still try to drop it as a podcast I'm just trying to figure out where to place it but our reaction our kind of goodbye video it's really it's really well done by ck of us not only talking about greg goldson but reminiscing on uh some of of the plays that we most remember about him and what he's meant to this organization so you can find that video on our youtube channel just Google the C3 Panthers podcast, or if you're watching right now on YouTube, smash the thumbs up button, subscribe. Don't leave us just yet, 
But go check out that video after the show. The number is 252-228-5098. We'd like you to be a part of the broadcast. We want to hear your thoughts on Greg Olson, Cam Newton. Oh, oh, and by the way, I got a message, CK. And Cody, you got, uh, you were at mentioned on this. Is uh, I forget who it was. They said, stop. Somebody tell Tony to quit calling him Olson. Olson. Yeah, yeah, I saw this too. Yeah. Our fans, don't, our fans don't have a problem calling you out when they feel like you uh, you need checked on something. No, um, <laughs> is that, you know, my baby, my youngest baby says almost, like when she's trying to say almost. So that's like, that's the Olsen is the country. Olsen, yeah. Olsen, Olsen. All right, uh, let's get on to the next cat call. What's up, guys? Kyle from VA. Um, as everyone knows, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. And man, I'm going to say that was a hell of a game, man. It was a hell of a game. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately for Kyle Shanahan, he's going to be known as the two-time uh, Super Bowl choke artist. Uh, I he's mean, you can't agree. obviously blame it all on the coach. <laughs> It's just crazy, man. Um, I think both quarterbacks really didn't play like shit, but didn't play good either. But Mahomes yeah. made the throw when he needed to. Um, Forty Nineers D line is this thing is something nasty. Bosa, but man, defense also stepped up when he needed to and put down work. Uh, really, I'm happy for Andy Reid. He got his. Uh, I mean, I think before. Getting the ring, he was still going to the Hall of Fame. This pretty much cements it now. Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame coach, no doubt. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you might as well go ahead and throw him in the Hall of Fame, too. <laughs> Even though he played like shit tonight, but you might as well. Um, yeah, man, just a, just a good game. I'm glad I had the 49ers winning, but I'm happy. I'm happy that the game turned out a good game and not a blowout. Anyway, guys, just just call and see what y'all thoughts were on the Super Bowl. Keep pounding. Next. Oh, season. gosh, thank you for yeah. asking that question. We're gonna do it. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Um, overall thought: good or great Super Bowl, guys? Good or great? Um, great. I feel like, uh, and it, it had more to do with the commercials for me. I feel like the commercials were finally back to the standard that we were used to. <laughs> um, you just liked oh, it because I- Dwight was in a commercial. <laughs> yeah, dude, Dwight. Yeah, Dwight. You had Toby. You had everybody, dude. Um, but no, it, you know, one of the things that I was right as the end of the game was coming up. Obviously, yeah, it's eerily reminiscent of the twenty-eight-three uh, uh, comeback that uh, that uh, the Patriots had over top of Kyle Shanahan's offense with the Atlanta Falcons. Granted, this was a little different. It was only 10 points and no lead, uh, especially as low as 10 points is safe, even with six minutes left against the Chiefs. But, but the part of it that bugged me slightly about the whole thing was I do not, and I, I don't know who would be his replacement, but Patrick Mahomes was not the MVP of that game. Oh, All gosh. Of, Are you going to go with that running back? I'm so no, tired no, no. of it, this. If, if you could give an entire defense an MVP, I think they could. Um, but, I mean, here's the problem. Like, if you look at every single pass Mahomes had, every one of them, they were underwhelming. They were either in the dirt 
or like even that 44-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill had to stand still for like five seconds to catch that thing. But he was also getting smashed by Bosa at the same time. Yeah, and you know what? What's my what was my real issue with this game is that you're going to call that offensive pass interference on Kittle, but the amount of hold calls that they missed in that game are astronomical, which I'm okay with. Let these guys play, but if you're going to let that happen, you've got to let that pass interference call go. Like I don't care what you say, that should not have been a pass interference. Um, I am a firm believer of that. Um, the 49ers did everything they could to lose this by themselves. You know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo missed a wide open Emmanuel Sanders running down the, that would have just changed the entire narrative. But uh, it just, it you know, when they gave, I just felt like there were so many other people that could have possibly, I don't think that Damian Williams did anything astronomical, but let's be honest, his hand, I mean, he didn't make nearly the amount of, the amount of mistakes Mahomes did. Yeah. Um, and Mahomes so- was just a, it was just a bad game, like really bad game for him. If you look yeah, at it, yeah, listen, it certainly wasn't Patrick Mahomes' best game, but I think at the end of the day, um, on third and fifteen in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes made the throw that he needed to make. Um, he, he also made, got that uh, third down that he ran and yeah, dove. That, that, Those are the, big. The third down that he ran and, and dove, like really, it, it's it's a microcosm because you know you might not remember it as it being his best game, and it certainly wasn't. But at the end of the day, when the game was on the line, did you make the right play? And I do, um, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes did that. So I'm not mad at him being the Super Bowl MVP. I will say this, and I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit here because I said it on our show. I remember specifically saying how much – I wondered how much the Chiefs were going to run the football. Because that's what the 49ers did to us. They didn't let our defensive line pin our ears back and rush the passer. And I felt that Kansas City would employ something similar. And as you saw, Damian Williams had a ton of carries. And, yeah, he could have been the the MVP of the Super Bowl. Um, That being said, I I mean, either way, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, I think you weren't able to win the football game without both of them. I I thought it was fun. The whole Super Bowl was awesome, man. Dude, how many teenage boys went through puberty watching the halftime show? Like, good <laughs> lord, dude. Like, I had to change my clothes, Can man. Can we agree like, that dude, that should be the halftime show every year? Dude, I would I mean... watch Shakira anytime you let me watch her, dude. I was reminded how she's one of the most talented performers in the world that never gets enough credit. Homegirl played the guitar drums sang and belly danced on stage and shook her ass at a million miles a minute come on dude that's a and that's showed a you how to eat clams yeah the uh, clam. yeah. yeah you have to shuck them. Yeah, yeah yeah that's right um but yeah man i thought that everything from the commercials to the halftime show to the the game itself i mean there was a time when i thought the 49ers had the momentum and they were gonna start to to run away with it, and I wouldn't have been surprised if they did. But um, I think this was a breath of fresh air compared to Super Bowls in the past few years. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, definitely not the best Super Bowl I've ever seen, but it was a lot better than last year's. Um, it was a great game, though. I mean, yeah, if it was. Mean, it was there was yeah. there was drama. You know, there was a lead change. There was um, the star power at the end. 
there was a sort of, you know, what, but this just show you is that I think one of the things I've been irritated by the conversation in the aftermath is how everybody has just dumped on Jimmy G because he missed that pass. And mm-hmm. like a hard yeah, pass to make. I just, I mean, I, I, I don't think Jimmy G looked bad in that game. No, he looked better than Mahomes for most good. of the game. Yeah, yeah, he was he was definitely in on on pace to be able to say he was a super. I mean, I don't think there was anybody else in that game outside of the quarterbacks you could have given that to. I just hate that you know Mahomes got that moniker now. But yeah, that even that if you look at that beautiful pass he gave to Kittle right before the half that was called back because of the pass interference. I mean, it was just he was dropping some dimes. It just happened to be one of the biggest plays and the biggest. Uh, stage of moment he just... you needed to come back yeah but i think if anything the problem with that t- what happened was not with the san francisco offense but i mean their defense got gassed at the end and just couldn't make the stop they didn't make the big play the it, it wasn't their did... defense man it, it was their offense dude why on third and ten, when a first down basically wins the game, do you go for that long bomb that he missed Emmanuel Sanders on? Why? Like, what was I, it? I, I think what they said it? that he in, in the last two possessions they had eight plays, and I think they threw the ball five of those eight plays. Why? Well, why? because they Man, had to score a touchdown and get no, back they didn't. They, they, they were up. They, they, well, they, they were still and- up. In my mind, and it goes back to Kyle Shanahan, and especially after the Super Bowl, and in which uh, he was with the Falcons. And I mean, come on, I don't have to tell you guys about twenty-eight to three. I mean, listen, why would they run? They moved away from running the football when that was literally effective for them mm-hmm. the entire game, and then now mm-hmm. all of a sudden you want to get cute and and put the 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 game in the hands of Jimmy G like why I just don't understand that like you you could have won the Super Bowl with just having Jimmy G Jimmy G did not lose the football game for the San Francisco 49ers but I mean he obviously didn't help but he could have been put in a better position as well and that throw that he missed dude people just don't understand how hard it is to play quarterback that's a hard fucking throw to make, man. That is not easy to do. So, yeah, I mean, I would have preferred to have had another quarterback if I had to make that play. But he damn sure wasn't the reason why they lost. Right. Uh, I think Money bags. Can we agree that uh, Emmanuel Sanders five years ago would have been fast enough to catch that ball? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or, yeah, Emmanuel Sanders two before this injury last year, like two yeah. and a half years ago. Moneybags Lawson says they calling him Jittery G now. <laughs> All right, uh, I do want to say this. We're going to go back to a. Hold on, before we before we go on, we missed a, a super chat. Okay. Uh, Michael Jones three ninety nine. Uh, thank you for the love, brother. We see you. Thanks, Michael. Uh, he said, he said uh, "What's the real reason Cam is not the Walter Payton Man of the Year?" And good lord, man, I just don't think they want to give these awards to the Panthers. Uh, McCaffrey deserved the offensive player of the year over Michael Thomas. Uh, I don't care what no one says. And hands Cam, down. Yeah, hands down. And Cam Newton, after annihilating what is essentially the popular vote on Twitter, when Cam Newton laps every other person, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate because it's about charity. And ultimately, you know, all these guys are doing wonderful things. 
But it's the same thing with Greg Olson, man. Greg Olson deserved it two years in a row. And they stiffed him, too. So at the same time, it's like I'm numb to this bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, I could act like I'm mad and I'm upset. Yeah, and I am. But, dude, I'm just, I'm not, I'm over this shit, man. We're going to start winning awards when we start taking shit. Yeah. And hey. winning football games. God of Blackness wants you to say the real reason, Cody. Say the real reason, <laughs> but unfortunately, Clay's Campbell got. He it. said so you got. Not. He said you got. Uh, the you played it safe. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that Cam didn't play. You know, but two games yeah. this year. I think that had the majority of it. I think that Cam's out of sight, out of mind right now. And so, when it comes to all the things Cam does, certainly. But yeah, it. it I think Clay's Campbell was a bigger name this year than Cam Newton was, so it was an easier decision. Who did he even play for this year, Clayus Campbell? Jacksonville. Jacksonville? Jacksonville? Oh, yeah. Okay, um, so back to the Super Bowl. We Everybody loved the halftime show. There's been some very, very small minority that is upset because J-Lo hit the stripper pole at the end. Um and that what? last little butt <laughs> shake. Hey, who's I guess. upset other than a bunch of pussies? There's always going to be somebody upset about anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was it was good. I I do think it was good. The the halftime show. I think the game was fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. I was entertained from beginning to end, and I I do think that this was on the San Francisco defense. Man, is yeah. that the defense was supposed to win this game? And they just couldn't stop, at the end, the unstoppable. And that's Patrick Mahomes, man. And that's why he's MVP, in my opinion, is that without Patrick Mahomes, they would not have won. If you swap quarterbacks, you know that Kansas City wouldn't be able to win. And, I disagree with that to yeah, some degree. I don't, yeah, I, you I know, the, that, with, without Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey – then maybe or Sammy Watkins even showed out this game. There, like how many wide open receivers there were with one of the best secondaries in the league was that's why because they weren't that great that day. Yeah, San Francisco's defense was almost good, great. They yeah, did so, good. So I'm just saying, Jimmy G would have thrived in that environment very much. So um, there was too many errant throws by Patrick Mahomes. I like I said, I'm critical of Jimmy G just as much as I am Patrick Mahomes. I think they're good quarterbacks. I think Patrick Mahomes is clearly the better, but I think Patrick Mahomes. If if you go back and look at his, this is probably the worst game he's played in his career in a, in a while. Yeah, and you know what I thought about you, CK, uh, is that he was whining after every fucking play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Uh, yeah, I, I was noticing every, every, like, even when, you know, oh, he hit me in the face after he ran. He was not a safe player at that point in time. And yeah. he, he, he slid parallel. He wasn't sliding. Uh, like it just, it was, it was insane to me. And they were behind. Once again, you know, I, I have my quarrels with Patrick Mahomes. He's a good quarterback. And I think he is going to be one of the greatest. But uh, I, you know, it still bugs the crap out of me when, when, uh, when he just wants to point out everybody else's flaws, but doesn't acknowledge his own. And and Tony, can I ask if you remember this man? Uh, you know, back before I was on the show full time, I remember calling into the cat calls, making my case 
for why the Panthers should pick up Sammy Watkins in free agents. Oh, oh yeah, you love Sammy Watkins. And, and dude, Sammy Watkins made plays. This, I mean, you can make. I mean, outside of touchdowns and points, obviously, Sammy Watkins made a bunch of plays. That I mean, just how, how we're talking that Patrick Mahomes maybe played his worst game of his career in the Super Bowl. Sammy Watkins probably played the best game of his career. Yeah. I mean, dude, he put he burned Richard Sherman. That was a, uh, 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 a few times, man. And just no, just outran him. Just it was more nimble, but just yeah. a better, more crisper route runner. You man, want um, Sammy Watkins? You'll probably be able to get him next year. Uh, hey, man, if he's uh, if he's willing to come play. I mean, that's another veteran that can still separate and do all the things that we want him to do. I mean, he's a bunch of deers removed from being uh, the high draft pick that he was, but talent is talent. I'd take him over whatever Torrey Smith did for us any day. He's a Clemson guy, right? He's also yes, a 20... They're going to pay him $20 million next year. They're going to cut him. I was, I was wondering why, why you were praising him so much. I forgot he was a Clemson guy. Look, I'm, I'm not convinced of Sammy Watkins either. too injury from <laughs> Too injury prone, and he hasn't really done anything. Like, yeah, he had a great game in the Super Bowl, but he had what two touchdowns the first well, game of the season, and then nothing else. He the rest he's of like quiet productivity game. all what the time. Game, though it's like another player that that on any other football team, he probably is the number one wide receiver. But when you have the fastest player in Tyree Hill, a matchup nightmare in Travis Kelsey, um, oh, you know now you have Miko Hardman and Robinson. Like, dude, that, that team is loaded. And that's what I said, uh, I believe, last show. The, the Kansas City Chiefs are the perfect storm. It is the uh, an incredible talent at the quarterback position, an incredible coach and offensive mind that knows how to put the teams in, um, in advantageous matchups, and an incredible set of exterior weapons to work with, man. Like, that offense, if they're able to stay – Together, dude, that's a problem for a long time. For he's only forever. had he's only had one thousand yard season. He had nine hundred eighty two his first season. He had a thousand his second season. Then it's been four thirty, five ninety, five nineteen, six seventy. Never had yeah, he I'll had. Think, n- I think Curtis Samuel during any day. Well, well, the the Sammy Watkins while he was at Buffalo suffered from a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Like he was yeah, injury prone injury. beyond, and I think the reason that he's been able to maintain his health is that he is not the only target. On he also team. had yeah, he had a thousand yards and nine touchdowns in only thirteen games. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty good. Well, it, it's pretty good. Well, and that once again speaks to the fact he was literally the only person being thrown the ball on that Bills offense. Yeah. I, I'll say I'll say this about him: he's on a team friendly deal, right? And so. Uh, I, Which means they can cut him, right? Because ask, he's supposed to yeah. get like twenty million dollars. Or so. I'm gonna look yeah, that's it up. I'll look it up. Deal. Can I can I ask a question? How big yeah. is the Chiefs' window right now? Is it is it going to be New England esque, where it's a twenty year window, or do you guys feel like this is literally like a three year window, sort of like the Seahawks when they were really good and they were going to the Super Bowl back to back years? Um, you know, Seahawks have been contenders, but they haven't been Super Bowl like right. caliber caliber for a minute. This year was probably the closest they've come in a while. What is the what is that window that you feel like the Chiefs have? Uh, and, and is it shorter or longer? I mean, honestly, uh, 
Um, honestly, dude, it's pretty damn long. Uh, I'm I'm on the uh, spot rack right now, and these I'm looking at their free agents, uh, all the people that they have to sign. Uh, at the end of this year, Terrell Suggs was 37, whatever. Yeah, yeah, Chad, Chad Henney, LaShawn McCoy, Darren Lee, Xavier Williams, Jordan Lucas, Morris Claiborne. Like, oh, here's one that they're definitely going to have Chris to Jones. decide. Chris Jones. Yeah. And um, I don't know what their cap space is looking like. Um, I can look, but I mean, they'll probably pay him a a, a, a pretty penny. Um, he won't be top dollar because he is an incredible pass rusher, but he is terrible in run defense, and he's bad at gap assignments and minding uh, the the right spot. So, um, man, they have ten million dollars less than team. us in cap. They have ten million dollars less than us in cap space right That's now. That's not going to last have, for long. Yep, they have sixteen million. <laughs> this is this though. That is not. I hate to say this is. Sammy Watkins deal not team friendly. Yeah, it was up until this year, I think. Okay. He, uh, well, 2019, he got he was a cap hit of 19.2 million dollars oh, this gosh. year. Yeah, maybe it was the year before. I don't know. Yeah, it was um, that first year. It was 2018. But here is this is right now to keep Sammy Watkins under his current contract, they will have to pay him 21 million dollars. If they cut him, they save 14. But still have seven million dollars in dead money. I want to say that Sammy Watkins has to be one of the best paid players ever. Like for very limited productivity, he is always he's gotten traded for. You know, they gave a king's ransom for him in the beginning. Then St. Louis, not St. Louis, uh, the the L.A. Rams traded for LA him, Rams, right? Yeah. Didn't they have him? He has gotten money and cut clout everywhere he's gone. So we'll be thinking about that. Kansas City's window, I think, is as open as long as Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And, um, and you know, you have Kelsey there. You know, they asked Kelsey what Patrick Mahomes couldn't do. He said, the only thing he can't do is not talk like a frog. <laughs> that was his answer. All right. Let's go back to the cat calls. I know there's a lot of people that want to get involved right here. The number is 252-228-5098. We'll keep kind of sprinkling in that Super Bowl talk as we go. What's up, boys? Kyle from VA. Oh, that's, same, that's the same call. Hey, what's up, C3 Podcast? It's Lovato from OKC. What's up, Lovato? What's up, Lovato? For, uh, for Cody about the draft. What's up, I've man? i keeping up with a lot of mock drafts from about – Probably about three months ago, I've been keeping up with it. And in the beginning, Andrew Thomas, the tackle from Georgia, his stock was, like, really high. He was always, like, top four in the mock drafts. And he was always the number one tackle. And I've been looking at him recently, and he's been – his stock's been dropping or other tackles have been rising because he's not the first tackle I see off the board anymore on these mock drafts. I was kind of curious to why that is, Cody. And also, give me your opinion on Derek Brown versus Javon Kinlaw, because I've been looking at the tape Ooh. of both, and Derek Brown looks like he's more pro-ready, but I feel like Javon Kinlaw's ceiling is so much higher. He looks so athletic. Yeah. But he also has like a he has the higher floor, but the or the higher ceiling, but the lower floor as well, I believe. I feel like Derek Brown, 
he's already he looks like he's ready for the NFL, but I don't think his ceiling is as high as Javon Kinlaw's. Give me your opinion on that, Cody. I keep bounding. Man, this what a great is question. my kind of question, man. I need more of these kinds of questions in my life, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I delve into this shit. My, my inner draft nerd needs these types of questions. So let me start with Andrew Thomas. Um, I feel a lot of the criticism that he's receiving is kind of overblown. Uh, people are saying that he has a tendency to get beaten on inside moves. And in my mind, it's not necessarily a question of skill. But it's uh, Andrew Thomas is a, is violent with his hands. I mean, that guy wants to take your lunch money. So a lot of times the problem with Andrew Thomas is, is that he's so quick and violent with his hands that the, the edge rusher kind of gets a read as to what he wants to do, and then they'll counter and either work their way inside or, or, or hit them with a swim move and, and kind of make their way around him. And that is a legitimate criticism, but this isn't something that I've seen enough to worry about. In my mind, it's more of a coaching thing and making sure that he's minding his P's and Q's all the time. Um, other than that, I mean, listen, he's the truest left tackle prospect um, in, in this year's draft. And um, spoiler alert, and you all get to have this because uh, you're listening to me right now, but tomorrow... There is a brand new draft on drafttech.com in which I have us taking Andrew Thomas. So I did an entire write-up on him tomorrow, drafttech.com. Check it out. I provide links um, and sources to some of the clips that I use. Um, Andrew Thomas is a mauler, and if we drafted Andrew Thomas, he would be uh, the best franchise left tackle that Cam Newton has ever had. Um, now, Why is his stock slipping? Well, like I said, that he has um, he's not beaten uh, a lot, but when he is, there are some mental errors that shows up on his film. Um, a lot of people uh, I see are questioning his hip stability, but man, listen, uh, one of the most dynamic edge rushers in the draft this year is a guy by the name of uh, Clavon Chason of LSU is a first round draft pick and it's similar to Brian Burns a lot of pop off the edge very fast and explosive and he's about 6'4 250 pounds Andrew Thomas had no problem matching him step for step oh damn near the entire game man I mean he took Shazon's lunch money I mean Andrew Thomas is that kind of prospect um I mean, he would be the best uh, prospect at left tackle that Cam Newton has ever had protecting him. Um, and I do agree with your assessment on the other part of your question. Derek Brown is much more ready to play football right now. Um, I think they're both better designed to play three-tech in the NFL. But uh, Derek Brown is a, um, a monster right now. He'll probably instantly be the strongest defensive lineman on our line. Um, he needs to develop a, a secondary and a third pass rush maneuver to get off of blocks. But yeah, I'm kind of with you, man. I believe that Javon Kenlaw probably does have a higher ceiling. Um, it, uh, longer, more powerful. Um, his dominant at the point of attack comes from nothing. Family grew up very, very poor. So he has a work ethic about him. Um, 
you know, if if the Panthers were to trade back some, Ken Law would be the pick that I would be absolutely in love with. Um, I don't know that I would take him in the top 10, but either Ken Law or Derek Brown, they upgrade our defensive line tremendously. As Where do you soon see as Ken Law draft, going? Um, probably somewhere between 10 and 17. And that, around the range that Carolina was drafting last year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are comparing him to Chris Jones for Kansas City, and that's a very apt comparison. Powerful, long arms, um, just a, a badass pass rusher. So This is um, what Todd – did you see read what Todd McShay said about him? I try not to read Todd McShay or uh, – Kuiper as much as possible, but he said yeah, this: If God was going to make a defensive lineman, it's this guy. It took forty-eight hours for him to just show every NFL GM, every NFL head coach, I'm the guy. Someone was smart enough, probably his agent, to say, "You did a good enough job, bud. You can leave the Senior Bowl." He was done in forty-eight hours, and he probably made twelve to fifteen million dollars. Yeah. Does he not look uh, – one of the things, and I haven't watched him a lot, but in those videos, he looked very wide. Like, is he heavy – I mean, kind of heavy? Um, Or is he just, like, head. built? Like, yeah, I, I was trying to figure it out. He just looked There's, so big compared to the yeah. offensive lineman he was going against. He almost made them look skinny. No, I mean, dude, he's built like a shit brick house, man. The dude, uh, his uh, uh, there's a picture of him flexing on, um, I don't know if it's uh, Instagram or um, uh, where it was, but dude, he is just a mound of muscle. And, um, you know, there really is something to the mentality thing. I brought up that he was... Oh, God, look up. at him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, dude, uh, Ken Law is a monster, and... Um, I mean, he he might – listen, I'm not surprised if he does work his way into the top ten. Um, I mean, he's that kind of prospect, and people are going to fall in love with him. Uh, the guy has worked hard for everything that he's ever had. Yeah, you know who's going to draft three, him? The Giants. Six foot six. Three hundred. They're going to draft him fourth. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Gettleman loves those uh, hog mollies, so – it's not out of the realm of possibility, but right. while um, we're, spe- while they we're both speaking, need, my um, last thing is that they both need polish. Derek okay. Brown and Javon Kenlaw, uh, you're going to need to put some work into them, as you're going to have to do with no matter who you draft. But I do agree with our caller uh, that uh, Kenlaw is probably um, a higher ceiling than Derek Brown. Right, Can right Derek now. Brown be Aaron Donald? I don't um, think so. How about I've Fletcher seen. Cox? Okay. How about Fletcher Cox? That's who I compare him to. Okay. And a lot of times you have to understand that at, sometimes they'll put Ken Law and Derek Brown at nose tackle. I, I mean, so they'll have him lined up directly across from the center because they know they're so big and powerful that they'll eat up two blocks. And, you know, what if we said that, uh, you know, uh, we didn't realize how much we missed the presence of a star of the Tulele after he had left. Mm. So um, having that, that centerpiece in the middle of your defense is so incredibly important. 
And um, Derek Brown, in my opinion, right now would would be uh, the probably the the best, strongest defensive lineman on our defensive line as soon as he was drafted. Whereas I don't think that's true for Ken Law right now, but it probably would be true in no time. God of blackness is echoing your sentiment. He said Ken Law is not more powerful than Derek Brown. And he also said that uh, Ken Law is projected to Dallas. That brings me to the question. Is anybody, weren't they, didn't they have a big defensive lineman that you loved, Cody, last year uh, that was about to hit free agency? And did they lock him up? Um, for, for who, for what team now? Lawrence. Who is it? Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. No, who's the, Mar- D. Lawrence. Oh, 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 oh. De- Marcus uh, Lawrence. De- Dexter Marcus Lawrence. Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence. Dexter oh, well, hold Lawrence, on. Yeah. Dexter Lawrence was drafted from Clemson to the Giants. And he's no. a big defensive tackle. Or you're talking about no. Marcus Lawrence? Yeah, Somebody, from the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy from the Cowboys. They locked him up last year. He's the edge rusher, but, um, very different. I mean, he's like 245, 250 pounds. Uh, very different. And I'm, gra- I'm, glad, I'm glad Tree Fitty brought this up. I wanted to ask about this, but I almost wonder if it's too early because it isn't even the combine yet, and we may find out there's somebody who blows us away and we don't want to do this, but he brings up the idea of trading back. Um, what, I just saw what, a mock draft that had us trading back to 11. I saw that as well. I saw that as well. Um and then they had us picking a quarterback in round two uh, for some reason. Um, but uh, first, let me ask this. Do you trade back at all? Do you trade out of the top ten in this draft with as many holes as we have? Do we trade back? It, it, the, it has to be on the table for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. especially like um, uh, let's say we're sitting at number seven and we know that Cam Newton uh, – is going to come back for another year, and we know this, right? And then you have, uh, let's say, the Colts. And the Colts are sitting there at 13, and they don't have a quarterback. And they want to jump up to grab, say, Justin Herbert. Well, yeah, all of a sudden, that's a pretty interesting trade. You know, to to move back Mm -hmm. from 7 to 13, that's not too far. You're still getting a good player. I think a lot of it just depends on how the board falls. Right what now, player we're getting? well, right now in my mind, there are at least three players that I would really have a hard time passing up on. It's Isaiah Simmons, it's Andrew Thomas, and it's Jeffrey Okuda. Because these are the kinds of players that don't just come around. I mean, if you have the opportunity to draft these dudes, man, don't don't miss on them. Don't miss on them. I mean, Isaiah Simmons. It would be, wouldn't it be nice to be one of those teams like the Patriots that had two first round picks one year? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if we had two picks in the top 25, I think that would be worth trading back. Um, Unless you're going to get a guy that you believe is like a generational like talent. And I don't know if you're going to get, if that's truly there at seven, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, God of blackness has two comments. We got to get to, he's dropped two love bombs in the, in the super chats. The first one we'll go to is since we're talking about the, um, is it Derek Brown, Derek Brown? He asked, can Derek Brown be Vince, Vince Wilfork? Um, uh, th- th- that's and, not really and no, he doesn't look as fat as man. Vince no, Wilfork. 
it's not really a good comparison. And I'm going to be real with you. The days of Vince Wilfort type players and uh, Tony Sarah Grusa and shit like that, those days are done, man. Just they're asking, they're at, yeah, yeah, they're asking these defensive tackles to move their ass. So they're huh? they're a lot more athletic. I mean, the primary uh, uh, focus of a Tony Saragusa and the Vince Wilfork was to just be a big badass right there in the middle and get some push. I mean, generate mm-hmm. some some push, try and collapse the center of that pocket, and they did well doing that. Um, I do think. Even though they do play Derek Brown at one technique and zero technique, he's gonna make the most of his money as a three tech, as a uh, as a three tech uh, defensive tackle. And I compare him to Fletcher Cox. I mean, if you if if he's able to develop some more secondary pass rush maneuvers, yeah, Derek Brown is gonna be a badass for a long time to come. Um, I mean, his film against LSU, who was an award winning offensive line this year. I mean, he dominated them up front. And they have guys that are going to be drafted as well. So um, I wouldn't compare him to Vince Wilfork, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a bad thing. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're looking for a Vince Wilfork type of player. Now, the other question was, have we talked about Vic Beasley? Or let's talk about Vic Beasley, the Falcons, are not going to be bringing him back with where they just said that they're done with him. Like they're just not right. interested in re-signing him. Now when he says do we do you think that question is just talk about Vic Beasley in general and the Atlanta Falcons or I I don't I'm almost feeling like we don't need any more thin dudes right now. We need some bigger bodies on this defense. Yeah. Okay. I'm not too I don't know, man. Vic Beasley, for me, that's not a guy I'm going after in free agency. Uh, he, he hasn't impressed in the last... I mean, well, I mean, he had eight sacks this uh, 2019. Not too bad. But he only had 28 solo tackles the whole year. You know, I mean, it, I don't know. It's not super impressive numbers for me. I guess if the price is right, you go after, after Beasley, but he's demanding, you know, top money. There, there's no way. I'm well, I don't, I don't think he will. And that's why the Falcons are moving on from him. Um, good night to Sarah Taylor, by the way. Thanks for stopping by, Sarah. Um, but I don't necessarily think that um, uh, oh. that, that Beasley. I, I, I'm, I, it's not that I think. I know no one's going to offer him top pass rusher money, or else the Falcons would have done it. Um, and really, the 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 conversation around Vic Beasley coming out of Clemson kind of ended up being true. Um, he was really just a speed rusher. And if you couldn't, if he couldn't beat you with speed, he was going to have uh, problems anchoring and setting a physical edge and being strong enough to play a, a, an edge role in a 4-3 defense. Um, with that said, uh, listen, he's going to make some money as a situational pass rusher. And that's fine, man. He's the type of guy that if he wants to continue to play NFL football, He'll take a contract for a year or two, making some good money. And on third down and certain packages, you can put Beasley in to uh, to come in and get after the quarterback. He was a one-year wonder. In 2016, he had uh, 15 sacks on the season, looked like an absolute monster, and then just kind of fell off the face of the earth. So 
Um, yeah, I really don't think he'll command a lot of money, and he'll be a, a nice addition to some team, but he's not a centerpiece defensive lineman. Breaking Panthers news, Wes Horton uh-huh. retires. Oh, no! Why? No more Wes Horton ever on this team. I'm Actually, sorry. I didn't, I didn't dislike Wes, Wes Horton. I didn't dislike him. He always was just a rotational guy that did I did, but it wasn't his fault. It's because he kept on getting snaps over better players that deserved to be out there more than him. Wow. I, uh, you know, I I don't know what it is, but this didn't hit me as emotionally as the the Luke movie. I, mean, I, yeah, I, don't I don't know, know why. why. Yeah, I'm, I'm still sure. gonna wear his jersey sometimes, though. You know, Horton. Yeah. I'll, I'll still wear the West Horton jersey. Yeah, Horton. Here, here's a who. <laughs> yeah. If you have a, do you have a West Horton jersey, or are you just no. pulling my? <laughs> no, oh, gosh, that, that would have been awesome. <laughs> Dude, they even uh, sell awesome. West Horton jerseys. <laughs> he Come did. Uh, he did. He cited accumulating. Minor injuries and uh, his calling to help usher in a new generation of people. Like, he wants to go out there and be humanitarian, I guess. Carl, um, all right. Something about Couple. video feed. Are we, are we still up? Oh, uh, God. We're still up in the YouTube chat I'm looking at. Yeah. Okay, cool. I okay. sure hope so. All right, Carl let's go on to the next call. Quit scaring us, Carl. Hey, guys. <laughs> I'm sure you'll probably play some of my calls from last week, like y'all did last week. Y'all played some calls from the week before last. And it's Joey Eskimo, by the way. Uh, but okay. if you don't, I want to say some thoughts about Cam Newton. I usually don't because about 50 million people say him before me because I'm last to everything. Yes. I, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. I don't know if you knew that, but. I'm always last, so that means I'm the best. So, my first point is, all this talk about teams that should trade for Cam Newton. You know who really should trade for Cam Newton? Like, you know who really should pay Cam Newton? The Carolina Panthers, that's who. you damn right. That's really what I think, because, like, why don't we see what these other teams see in him? And the second point is, you know, I go walking in Uptown Charlotte quite frequently. You know, it's just such a weird feeling when I pass by that building where him and Michael Jordan live. And I only, I know he lives there only during the football season. I know that. I know he lives in Atlanta. But <laughs> it is still kind of sad when I walk past that building. I know exactly where it is because... I'm really familiar with the street grid downtown, so I know as soon as I cross 4th Street on Tryon coming up, I know that building's right there, and it's kind of sad. It doesn't feel light passing by that building, if you know what I mean. Here, here's part two of the call. So it's Joey Esquivel about the uh, point about how Panthers fans haven't been enthusiastic. Except me. I used to bug the shit. I thought it, blah, I can't fucking talk. It's that time of night again. And plus, <laughs> you know, the Panthers have been driving me a little insane with this constant waiting around for certainty about Cam Newton. So uh not really in my uh, 
not really at my best, let's just say. But, no, you were talking about enthusiasm of Panther fans. I used to bug the shit out of everyone in the school about how happy I am to be a Panthers fan. And you know what? Nothing makes me more optimistic than an owner with balls the size of New York City, like David Tepper, a new coach that straight out of the 21st century, unlike anyone Jerry Richardson would ever hire. Uh, I don't know. A running back that can make everyone suck his dick and Christian McCaffrey and a quarterback that when he's talking, he can make everyone I think the NFL might have a problem with that if that were going on. Like, yeah. Nothing makes me more optimistic than six and motherfucking ten this year, dude. Seriously. And if anybody got a problem with me being a Panthers fan, which I know no one on here does, but I'm just putting this out in public. Anybody got a problem with me being a Panthers fan, catch me outside, how about that, and you'll lose just like whatever team you like. No, catch me outside. All right, Joey Esquivel. Joey Esquivel, thank you for your calls. We are um, trying to be a little bit more cautious with the calls, not like uh, content-wise, but playing too many older calls. So since I missed some of those, we'll, we'll go sift through them. If we don't get to your calls every night, please don't be upset, guys. We try to do our best, but we also, at times, this show goes a little crazy long. Crazy long. So we're trying to stay focused. And uh, so we've gotten through the cat calls. The line is 252-228-5098. You can call in for next week's show. Um, or you can keep calling. If you get if we get a lot of calls midweek, we might break one of the, pop one of those little videos off uh, that CK is, is starting to make. And we'll see what we can do there. Guys, um, other than uh, Wes Horton retiring, um, I guess there was one other story that look is the nostalgia or i don't know that's not the right word there has been this kind of with the greg olson news you saw it in our reaction video this term mutual parting of ways you know i went on uh, pirate radio i'm there on fridays three o'clock live on pirate radio on the sports bar with clip brock and, you know, we were talking about this, and it was the day after it happened, and he said, does anybody really ever mutually part ways? And you hear, you read the story from the Carolina Panthers. You did not get the heartfelt video like a Luke Keekley, and there was not the story where the surprise was that Greg Olson was not retiring, but instead that they were mutually parting ways. Well, today he went on Wilson and Parcell with WFNZ, and he said that the mutually parting of ways was a little overblown, that he did not give the Panthers any ultimatums, that this was um, about the about his contract and his age and the direction they were trying to go, not that Greg Goldson did not want to play or wasn't all in on this team. Guys, do you feel any different a week later about the Greg Olson news or after you hear this, um, not as mutual as people think? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I'll jump right in there. Um, Klein from the uh, Roaring Riot had a, an interesting take. You know, we've, we've now learned that 
Greg Olson is going to be visiting the Bills and the Redskins, which clearly have ties to Carolina. Carolina, yeah. Um, which and Seattle. If, and Seattle. And Seattle, yeah. Which, let's say, let's say one of th- those two that he's familiar with, uh, uh, Ron Rivera or a, uh, you know, Buffalo Bills, you know, signing. That that points to exactly what you're saying is that it had more to do with age and the uh, price of the contract more than it did anything else. Because that isn't a mutually, you know, he didn't leave to go to a contender if he goes to the Bills. I mean, I know the Bills were in the playoffs, but let's be honest, they have some pieces they need to create. Um, they need to, you know, they have they have a pretty big hole and they 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 can be playable can their playoff can contenders but not super bowl contenders just yet so if he signs with them or clearly the washington redskins there is definitely a a writing on the wall that says greg olson is 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 was not a part of the decision making about him not being here uh, they basically made it seem for pr purposes because they know that if they let if luke retired and we say we would release greg olson on top of the possibility of Cam not being here, there's going to be a riot. So uh-huh. if it's a mutually dis- you know, mutual agree agreed upon release, then at that point you're like, okay, yeah, it's cool. You know, Greg didn't want to be here. Well, Greg sounds like he did want to be here and You know uh, what Greg wanted was that fourteen million dollars. Yeah. That and he and was gonna get paid. Thing. And that's the thing is that the is and he the Panthers anywhere else? Yeah, no, he's not going to but the Panthers are totally – they t- twisted and contorted. I mean, you, I mean, is I won't say in a, in a, like in a dishonest way, but you could have said – I mean, you could have seen headlines all around the league, Panthers cut Greg Olson. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, and, they and it, it didn't sound like that. But Greg Olson – look, I think Greg Olson would have been – it comes down, we found out is this – is that making $14 million or 11, because I think it's 11, three guaranteed, eight. It might be 11. Um, that's a lot more money than he's probably going to be able to command anywhere else at this point. Mm-hmm. And he would be in the community he's familiar with. He would be, you know, he's beloved and all of this. So Greg Golson, though, I think the most surprising part is, is that he's going to take the money on the field rather than the money in the booth. Because if he's, you know, I think, and um, right now I I would not be overly worried about him signing with the Redskins. Maybe a little bit more the Bills, but I think uh, Seattle is going to be an interesting look for him, as well as New England could be an interesting look. Um, you never know who is trying to add another tight end that is close, and. Um, I wanted to say one other thing about the about Greg Olson, but all right. So anybody else had changed feelings about the Greg Olson departure? <clears throat> oh, I know what it was, and I'll let you guys go. But I have an idea of how because we really need to start talking about how to replace Greg Olson. Yeah, um, my feelings haven't changed. I mean, so basically, in my assumption. Uh, kind of was this that Greg Olson knew that if he wanted to play football, it wasn't going to be here just because even though he did want to continue to play for the Panthers and the Panthers wanted Greg to continue to play for the Panthers wanted Greg to continue to play for them, but they weren't going to do it under their current contract agreement. 
and he was just owed too much money for them to swallow bringing him back for another year under that same amount of money so why continue to pay him if it's just one year you're moving on to a different um to a, a new era in panthers football and obviously greg wants to uh, and he's, he's not, not the, that player anymore either yeah, he's not a 12 million yeah. dollar he was fully healthy this year and yes we did not have a cam newton to throw the ball to him but if he's a security blanket his uh his numbers should have been pretty high because he he's not a deep threat he's very good about finding the holes in the zone coverage uh and and making sure that he gives the quarterback an easy throw um you know and that's that means that he should have had monstrous numbers instead it was always a check down to Christian McCaffrey so i mean i think his role was less about production and more about leadership right and that was that's intangible especially when you have as young of a team as we have uh on our offense you know there there's he was able to tell people their assignments because he knew this offense back and forth you know he he's such a smart guy he's able to make sure that he's he's not missing his blocks we talked about it on Thursday uh in that game and this is what bugs me the most is now i have this interesting feeling of you know on Thursday or, or on a reaction video we had about this we were kind of complimentary of how the Panthers held, you know, handled this. Like, oh, they're giving him an opportunity to go out and do that. All things, you know, it's it's something they had a conversation. Greg doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild, all this stuff. And now we come to the conclusion that, nope, it was just about the money the entire time. Um, you well, know, that's why we so got to stop being fooled by it. And I think that, and yeah. um, I think that we have to just recognize that no matter what is underneath things that, if that's with Greg Olson. Now here, let's not feel too bad for Greg Olson in this scenario. No. He has earned $62 million over his career. $62 million. Yeah. The Panthers, he did strong arm and in a smart way. This is why you got to root for players to get the money when they can. A lot of times, 2015, it renegotiated his contract, right? And uh, there was an extension that was $22 million, $12 million guaranteed. He earned $21 million of that contract. Now, the last part is terminated. He was supposed to get a significant amount of money with that last year, but the Panthers could get out of it, and that's that's just the way it is. And I think that the, is that, yes, it is about the money, CK, but at the same time, it's also about the money and the value of the player at that point. And Greg Olson... Yeah is on the back. He needs to be on the team where he's not the guy. Yeah. He's just well, a guy. What's, what's interesting, if I'm not mistaken, what was it? Uh, he re- signed the extension, uh, and then just a few years later, he actually asked for a restructure, and they gave him more um, more incentives, incentive-based uh, increase. And so if he hit certain metrics, he would make more. Um, so, I mean, he even went even farther than 2015, and he, he still did that same thing. And I think that's why, um, you know, once again, now we're in this position where the production hasn't been there, and that was his main his main reason. He said that my main asset is I've always been available for the team, and I've been the, I was the first tight end to hit 1,000 yards back-to-back-to-back. Um, and he actually said, you know, and, and honestly, it was a little bit surprising in that moment, I think, for a lot of us, that he said, I, I think I need to, you know, be compensated like my production shows. Well, now, past three years, that production hasn't been there. 
and so I get I get the decision making behind it. It's just uh, it, it it you know once again it it's just the smoke and mirrors game that I feel like we're in, and that's what bugged me the most about it is that I felt like we did a good thing, and now after hearing how that interview went, where it was very one sided almost, I just I I hate how political our 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 team has gotten. You know it it seemed to be you know, pretty upfront for the most part for a lot of p- purposes, but it just feels way too, you know, backstabby almost sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I- I'm hoping that it's just something that's a, uh, a temporary feeling and, you know, we'll see Cam Newton back. But if it happens to Cam Newton after he had his conversation with Tepper and uh, Rule and, and Marty Herney and everything, and, uh, and then they still decide to release him after he came away from that feeling encouraged and super motivated – that that's gonna rub me even further the wrong way, and I'm gonna be really kind of frustrated with this organization and the way they've handled these uh, players who've been so important to our organization over the past decade. Really, Brad Dugan says in the chat, he says that uh, Ian Thomas, and I don't think that Ian Thomas like now. I think while we are excited about what we saw in his rookie year, you saw either the sophomore slump or continued just issues with coaching. Who knows entirely with that. But I don't know if you have a ton that says that that can be your only option, right? Is that I don't know if I feel like you're going to have to do something like the Panthers did in 2011. And maybe they're kind of planning on something like that is how do we find the next Greg Olson, a guy that's really good that uh, hasn't been appreciated. I know this player is nothing like Greg Goldson because he has been the opposite of what Greg Goldson was for the beginning of his career. But what about like a Hunter Henry? Bringing him <laughs> in. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I think it's just you and I at this point. Cody's got his mic muted, and I don't even know if Greg's still here at the moment. He I didn't even up. know I had my mic muted. Um, but no, uh, listen, I think that uh, – uh, you know, so one, we have to remember uh, th- there's so much that we don't know about a lot of these players because our coaches didn't play them. And it's not a coincidence that after Ron Rivera leaves, well, now you see more snaps of Ian Thomas. Um, I, you know, and I, I get the hesitation of people saying, well, we haven't seen him do a lot, so there's no reason for us to blindly throw our faith behind him being our number one tight end because we just haven't seen him do it. That's not his fault, but at the end of the day, I, I think he still needs a real opportunity to show what kind of tight end he is. But how about this, man? The NFL is not just about having one tight end. I mean, you see the Ravens and the 49ers, they'll have they'll run out there with, with uh, three tight end sets and just dare you to defend the RPO. I mean, get two tight ends that can run block and pass catch. I mean, they may be hard to find, but they are out there. Uh, draft another one uh, well I mean, that's we- what we did we did it in tw- one of the things that we had success early in cam's career was we brought in a young greg goldson and we had an older jeremy shockey at that point and we ran that two tight end offense what i'm saying is and i agree with you is that ian is that ian thomas alone isn't enough you need to be tooled up more than that and i would be cautious and you know you want ian thomas to work out and be a sensation but you also need to plan for an injury you need to plan for him not being a sensation and it might be worth trying to get somebody 
Um, and there's a lot of tight ends on the market this year in free agency. I just don't want the Panthers to just do something stupid and draft a tight end in the first round. Yeah. Uh, is Moss going to go first round? Is, no. I think going like second or third. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if there's any tight end that goes in the top half of the second round. Have teams wised up to for the last ten years that this uh, that people have over drafted tight ends. Um, what is the last big one? Was it was it honestly just uh, OJ Howard? OJ Howard was he the yeah. last num- first round? Uh, Him and Hunter Henry. No, didn't the the Lions drafted uh, T.J. Hawkinson? No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last oh, yeah. year, really. Well, he, he's he be hurt all year. No, he well, was badass here, for a little thing. while. While they may not be looked at drafting wise, good. Look at the value of a tight end. Look at a team like Baltimore, like the two teams in the Super Bowl this year, the Niners and, and, the, oh, and the Chiefs. Yeah. A tight end is a key key piece to have. And if you've got a good one, look at the the Patriots for the the dynasty they've had. I mean, they've had great tight end play. I mean. It's a good position to lock up. Good. I, I don't think the value has gone down at all. No, I just, just like haven't seen. Guys, you, yeah. every year you, Cody, and other people tell me about these tight ends that are going to be just the next great thing in the NFL, and none of them have become it. Hunter Henry has been hurt the whole time. The guy from Miami has been, what, Selesky, what's his name, uh... I forget his name. I know you mean. Yeah. He, you know, I mean, I know it's Miami. Then you get the guy, your boy, that's for Philly, that's going to be taking Zach. uh, Ertz. Yeah. Yeah. He's been pretty good, but at the same time. Dallas Goddard? Yeah. Yeah. Not game changing. OJ Howard disappeared, particularly in the Arians. It's just like, I just, I'm not saying the tight end is important. But all of these pro- people that have drafted these number ones, look, even go back to Eric Ebron. It has just been disaster after disaster. And I would much rather just get a guy in the third who's going to work uh, and be serviceable than trying to slam dunk it in the first and putting so okay. much stock in a tight end. That makes sense what you're saying there. I get that. Yeah, and, and you're not wrong. I, I do think it's just so much of it is dependent on the player. Because if you look at the position, you're talking about a player that can block for your quarterback and can run routes and be a receiving threat. I mean, even not knowing what the tight end is going to do on a specific play, I mean, that's a valuable piece to your offense. And if you have a tight end that can do all those things effectively, I mean, if you have the guy and you know that you have the offensive coordinator that's going to be able to game plan for him and use him appropriately – uh, then, then yeah, I mean, so much of it is situational. A lot of these guys just go to teams, and for whatever reason, whether it be the coach or just dumb luck or whatever happens, they just don't go to a situation that's designed to showcase their talent. And I mm-hmm. think the same thing is true of uh, uh, what's the guy Tampa Bay just drafted uh, a few years ago? O.J. Howard. Yeah, O.J. Howard. I, I do. O.J. Howard was phenomenal at Alabama. Uh, and and so was and he was Hawk great last year. He was fan. fantastic last year. He was terrible this year. Tree fifty brought out another one in Joku. Yeah, David and Joku. Well, Baker Mayfield damn near got that dude killed at the start yeah. of the year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember the play too, and it was all on Baker Mayfield holding the ball too long. 
Yeah. I, I want to call out Carl D too. Carl D says I'm wrong on Hunter Henry, and he said that Hunter Henry was hurt one year, and that, sir, is a lie. He played fifteen. He played fifteen games his rookie year. He started ten. He started thirteen games his second year. He missed all of 2018, and he only played 12 games last year. So he has not been available. You know, he is the opposite of Greg Olson, not available. Yeah. Mr. Unreliable. Yeah. I would say uh, keeping uh, the the, uh, tight end I've been looking at in this year's draft, Hunter Bryant from Washington. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, a guy that you'd probably be able to pick up in the third or fourth round, maybe even a little bit later, depending on how the board falls. Um, yeah, I do agree with you, though, Tony. I mean, especially don't ever reach for a tight end. There are positions that you could reach for sometimes, offensive line, defensive line, maybe even corner, quarterback, obviously, if you know you have the player. But then there are some you kind of let fall to you. Um, tight end, running back is it, like that. Um, you know, to a lesser degree, safeties, um, which you know, I mean, it's all it's all subjective, and it's all about what team is gonna utilize you properly. But we definitely need more tight end love on the Carolina Panthers. There's too many options uh, that are available to us that we just don't utilize enough. Here's another name for you, which is crazy. When you Google it, this was a top prospect, Jake Butt. I remember you were talking about you wanted Jake Butt, so we had that's what right? people. Yeah, that's right because we would have the <laughs> butthole, right? You could jump in the butthole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake Butt played a career three games. But by the way, he also <laughs> what happened to him? Like, did he die? Like, what happened to well, Jake before Butt? The, before the he draft, fell in the butthole. But he was supposed to be a first round pick, or you know, first or second round pick. And tore his ACL, and then he lost all that momentum, and the Broncos drafted him. Um, but yeah, man, like I said, we just don't know. There's so much that goes into playing NFL football. Right. Uh, you just don't know what kind of. This is dangerous. I'm Googling what happened to Jake Butt. Yeah, that is dangerous. <laughs> don't do that Screen at here. work. Screen share. <laughs> the, the other thing, the other thing about the, the tight end position, man, is it's a very dependent position. Because, like I said, you're either going to be blocking or you're going to be catching the ball. And if you don't have a quarterback that can throw you the ball well or you don't have a quarterback that throws you the ball, it makes you look bad. And if you're blocking and you don't have a running back that can run around a block, I mean, you know, those are dependent things. So it's a difficult it's, – it's like Cody said, you got to fall in the right place. So I don't think that if Kelsey falls to, to uh, the Panthers that he's going to have the same kind of year he does, you know, put Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to him. What I'll say yeah. is, is this. Um, if we have Christian McCaffrey, and I'm not, I'm not saying we reach for for Moss, but you know, we would have two players on our offense who come from championship DNA, right? Uh, so you have you have Randy Moss and uh, McCaffrey's dad. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ed Ed McCaffrey. Ed McCaffrey yeah. Both of them. I mean, not only would I feel like it bring a different level of press to our organization. Um, but I feel like that, you know, once again, you have these guys who have been prepared for this their entire lives, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they, they've been taught what it takes to be there. So um, honestly, I like the idea of and I'm not saying get rid of Ian Thomas. I think Ian Thomas has a, a big role, especially if we can do similar things to what 
you know, like I said, Lamar Jackson and their tight end situation up there in Baltimore was or or whatnot. It just depends upon what uh, Joe Brady's plans are. But I, I do like the idea of a tight end this draft and somebody who can actually contribute. Um, I don't think that means that uh, Ian Thomas is gone or he's uh, table scraps. I think he still has a role. It's just a matter of getting him reps. So we'll see. But, yeah, definitely no reaching for a tight end. It's, it's just not worked out very well for many of the people <laughs> in, in the drafts here as of late. Yeah, I mean, Greg Olson was a first-round pick and was traded by the team that picked him in the first round. Yeah. What, two two years, three years after he was drafted? When yeah. was he drafted? Yeah. 2009? I think it was yeah, 2009, then yeah. came here in 2011. 2011, yeah. That's yeah. crazy to think, 2009. It's only 11 years. I mean, only 11 years, but we were talking about retirement. There's How old is uh, it, it was uh, Tony Gonzalez and – uh, now, uh, Antonio Gates, what was their age when they retired? Uh, well, Antonio Gates retired like yesterday. He has yeah, to be like I mean. 97. <laughs> no. Antonio uh, Gates and then Ben Ben Watson. Jared Cook, he's pretty old. Jim, Jimmy, Graham, Jimmy Graham. I tell you old. this, though, is that uh, Greg Olson never had the athleticism that Antonio Gates did in his entire oh, I'm going to go. Um, he's 39, almost 40. Antonio Gates is, was in June, he'll be 40. Who was the other one you want to know? Um, uh, Tony Gonzalez and Ben Watson. Oh, Ben Watson. He's still playing, right? Yeah. He's been playing since 2004. He's going to, he's 39. And Tony Gonzalez now, who's been out of the league now for how many years? He played from 1997 to 2013. Six years, okay. So 12 years and 17. He had 17 total years, it says, and he is 43. So Greg Olson. Oh, he's about to be 44. And he's number five on the all-time receiving list for tight ends. That's kind of crazy to think about when you look at that list of uh, tight ends. But and Jason Witten, even uh, you know, if you look at that, that's something that's probably he's fourth, be, right? Is he fourth? Yeah, fifth. Greg Olson. Yeah, fifth. but here's the thing about here's the thing about that list too. If you look at it, there's number one and number two, and then there's like a huge drop off after that. Like three, four, and five are yeah, yeah. so far behind number. I think because I think Shannon Sharp's like three or four, right? Mm, I can't remember. I didn't uh, I have to look it up, but either way, like I know there's a huge drop off from like one and two, and then everybody after that is nowhere close to where they're at. The one and two. So, as a matter of fact, I want to look it up right now. Tony Gonzalez has fifteen thousand career receiving yards, and oh gosh, Greg Olson has eight thousand, eighty five hundred, half, <laughs> but, half. But what, what was the? You said he played seventeen years, so that's six years, and let's just assume. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, uh, let, let's take away the the injury prone years. I mean, I think that there is a chance that Greg Olson could be, uh, if he wants to play for another six years. I feel like just based on that alone, I think he has. Greg Olson can't it. play for no six more years. Yeah. He'll be running backwards. Six, six, year, in six, six years, years he'll be putting, running backwards. Hey man, and I'm he's just not saying. putting up eight thousand yards in six. Jason years. Jason Witten is <laughs> is. No do you, when you look at Jason Witten, he's not very athletic. No, you know, I mean, and look, is not, that I think Greg Goldson is is 
is just savvy true. at this point. Hey, I like Greg, man. He's a good player, but he's always been slow as dirt. Even when he was fast, he was not very fast. Or the way oh, yeah. he ran made him look slower than he was. He's yeah. always ran with snowshoes on. He's been a high stepper his whole life. I don't think like- there's anything Jason Witten can do that Greg Olson can't. Oh, I agree. So yeah, 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 a hundred percent. So it's it's just about like especially when you're when you reach that point in your career, it's just about doing your part. I mean, no one goes into a football team anymore to be the you know the number one guy. The dude. I just you know? I just figured it out. Why Greg Goldson is scared of the booth? Why? He's got no fucking hair. He's losing his hair and he's self conscious about it. Oh, so what? He's also a multi-millionaire. You can have... But he wears a beanie in the summertime. He wears a beanie in the damn summertime. Dude, have you seen, have you seen mm-hmm. Deion Sanders and Brian Urlacher? Those dudes were bald, bald, and they have, like, full heads of hair now. I think Greg can afford whatever, <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever those dudes. I think he needs this. don't have to wear that helmet all the time. I think he needs this year to get his hair game right. That's why he's not ready to go to the booth. Respect to the man. Hey, get that man uh, flowing. Get them plugged. Yeah, I respect it, man. Okay. I can play with this hair if I want to. Yeah, uh, man. All right, guys. Uh, so the Super Bowl is passed. The Kansas sh- City. The Kansas City. The Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs. Uh, Kansas City, Kansas State. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're in uh, Missouri, right? Yeah, they're in Missouri. Yeah. It's right you over know, the line. Hear, uh, you hear about, about Trump. I know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, to Trump the great state. Yeah, you know, everybody great, wanted yeah. to talk crap about that. I'm not here to defend Trump, but like, let's be honest. It's nobody knows. 85% of the entire nation would have made the exact same mistake. Yeah. Yeah, and, and isn't half the city like on one side of the line and half the city yeah. like mm-hmm. there's Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they, they are, they're apparently like uh, rivals beyond measure. Like they are literally trying to steal each other's businesses by like they'll contact businesses on the other side of the border saying, Hey, listen, we'll give you guys this, Tax you know, have to come over here. Yeah. And so it's there's there's apparently like a very honestly like a, a very bad uh, rivalry between the two. It's almost I sit there and think like old western towns that just hate each other. That's what I feel like. That's what I imagine what? when I think about Kansas City. Wouldn't it be awesome if Arrowhead, if the fifty yard line was on the state border, kind of like when you go to Carowinds, you can stand on both sides. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> that would be insane. Every time they cross the fifty, they're in a new state. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah! All right, I ran so all the way to Missouri, man. Shit. It was a great Super Bowl. I do want to say my last point on the Super Bowl, guys, is is why the fuck is it on Sunday? I agree. Why? At, at least these... it was. At least it was over at an early time this year. It wasn't over yeah, at like eleven forty-five. Yeah. You know, so that you Too can late. all pray at church the morning before. <laughs> I need a Saturday Super Bowl. We hosted a Super Bowl party at my house, and I think I want to keep we doing did. it. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah. as a way of not spending money and not having to go out, it's nice having people come over. I was dragging ass on Monday, bro. Yeah. <laughs> dragging ass, and it's just not right. See, it's just not right. I tell you what, I'd rather have than have it rather than have a Super Bowl Saturday. I'd rather keep it on Sunday and just make makes the day after a national holiday. 
Yeah, they talk about that. That's never happening. Oh, it's never going to happen. (laughs) Yeah, it's never going to happen. But I'd I'd rather have that. Or they could start it at 4 o'clock. That would be all right with me, too. Well, it it does start at 4 for most of the world right like, you know what uh everybody else you know because we're, we're eastern it's gonna be we're the or we're gonna be the latest because we're starting you know they, if they started let's say they did started at like three o'clock well it's 12 o'clock for a lot of people on sunday and that means they're just getting out of church or something crazy like that so it's really odd because you really have to think about the time zone situation as well i honestly think six thirty is the perfect time because yeah, it's not well. too late for us and it's not too early for somebody who's on the West Coast and it's 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know, it still allows there to be some sort of a uh, of a get-together and, and, and before, you know, uh, or after, you know, your morning festivities for Sunday, whatever they may be at that moment. So I like the idea of it being at, at 6. I can uh, personally vouch for the idea of saying, let's do Saturday instead. <laughs> that, I think, is the solution right there yeah it's the only the only option but then you get rid of the super bowl super, super bowl sunday uh and then super bowl saturday so i mean i guess you gotta uh it, at this point i think it's just ritual to be on that sunday so okay. Dude, if we're never gonna get rid of daylight savings time <laughs> yeah we're, we're not we're not changing the super bowl hey listen arizona has got it right with the daylight savings time how does that work like so, if you're in Arizona, when the rest of the world changes time, how like I don't get how that works. Half the year you're Pacific time, the other half you're uh, you're going to be Mountain Central or Mountain so, Standard time. So you just change where what time zone you're in, basically. No, no, so, they don't recognize it at all. They just basically say they're their uh their own time zone i guess okay, you know it's this time for yeah i had to learn that you know i've I worked at wells fargo and i've worked now in in, in you know uh in my debt collection services that i do now and uh you know you talk to a lot of people over there and you learn that uh uh all, all about the, the the country and the time zones and how certain well, explain states it to me because i don't understand it explain yeah, so arizona does not recognize daylight savings time now, the majority of it, I think there are certain areas that do for some reason randomly, but for the most part, Arizona does not. So if you call Arizona and it is right now, let's I'm not sure exactly which half of the year their Pacific time, but let's just say it's Pacific time right now for them. Well, when we spring forward, well, all of a sudden now it's their mountain time because they're switching, but they, they don't they don't recognize the spring forward. So they're going to be stay stay at the same time, which makes sense for the most part. Because why even do it at this point? Because you're just switching back and forth for no reason. You and know, it's still, something they did during the depression, I think. Well, and there's so many different people that say different things. Like, so they say that it has a lot to do with uh, work farming. productivity. We, yeah, yeah, farming for kid, you know, for people to be able to have enough time in the day. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And then somebody else said that it has a lot to do with the kids being uh going to school in the mornings being able to have daylight uh for i mean i just haven't actually heard the official i'm sure there is one out there but well, i can tell um, you it's damn awful when it gets black as night at 4:55 oh god well and that's the that's what it's supposed to prevent which is funny is that it's supposed to prevent uh the it's supposed to extend the daylight instead of like making it just constantly going uh but it doesn't help when it's like five o'clock and you're still getting off dark so it's no no point to it at that point no. so okay. uh real, real quick before, <laughs> yeah yeah i know right uh real quick before we move on uh joey esquivel has blessed us with a little poem so i'm gonna read it off for him oh i wish i were a carolina panther 
that's what I really want to be. Because if I were a Carolina Panther, I could take two leaders home with me. Oscar Meyer. Yeah, baby. I'm into it. You can take that to the Cannes Film Fest, the Carolyn Cannes Film Festival. And down to Tampa Bay. Okay, Carolina. all right, guys, we are we are done with the C three Panthers podcast. Um, we got some ice up picks to get to real quick, yeah. and then let's get the hell on. Uh, my name's Tony Dunn. You can follow us every Tuesday night, nine p.m. live, where we keep it going and keep talking about the Panthers until we run out of gas. And we were out of gas right now, but we got some ice in our cups, some ice cold ice up picks, and our homage to Steve Smith. Who's chomping at the bit to go? Cody, I, I, I feel like you got to do the next one. I think I know what you're probably yeah, going to do. Yeah, and I'm not going to make it drawn out by the short and sweet. The Democratic National Committee is the fucking definition of ineptitude, and they are <laughs> ridiculous, and I'm icing them up. That's all I got to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Somebody uh, else go. Uh, um, I'll go real quick. It's going to be a political night, isn't it? It is. I'm not going politics. I had a politics discussion or a political discussion the other day. I'm done with politics for the week. So, <laughs> um, I guess I kind of got mine in the moment. I was the, we, my mic went out earlier when we were talking about if the idea changed about Greg Olson and the Panthers parting ways. And after listening to you guys talk about it and finding out more information, I agree with you 100%. CK, I think. Carol, I think this is all just a play of words, and I think that Carolina messed that up. So I'm going to ice up the the Panthers organization for uh, trying to trick us into believing that there was a mutual separation between Greg Olson and the Panthers. Because you know, if he's going out trying to play another team, there obviously wasn't a mutual separation. You know, I so to the Panthers organization for that decision of that choice of words, I guess I could say, uh, ice up. All right. Yeah, um, um, Go ahead. Sorry, I was you know, I, I I feel like the I have to double down, and I, I know we don't do this, but I have to. Uh, we were talking slightly about it, and it is going to be a political night. Oh, no. uh, <clears throat> mine might be a little more drawn out. How how idiotic do you have to be as an organization to do this two years in a row? And just so listen, I think we all have our 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 uh, opinions on Donald Trump, uh, uh, you know, whether they be good or bad. But this is not about that. But here's the part of it. If you hate Donald Trump so much as a Democratic uh, National Convention, you know, as your Democratic uh, uh, Party does. Right. If you do that. Why in the world do you put yourself in a position to try to screw the same candidate over who probably had a better shot of winning last year or four years ago against Donald Trump again this year? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, this is absolutely – listen, I, I consider myself middle of the, the pack, right? I have a lot of conservative views, but I think that there is extremism on both sides, and I cannot stand how uh, how divided we get, Right. But when you are trying to paint your party as like, we're the party that does everything right, 
you know, we're honest and we want to care about the people and all that. You are doing a crap job when you sit there and you tear down your own party members who actually have a shot of doing something. It's just astronomical. You know, if you haven't heard the news, basically the Democratic National Convention has tried to find a way to uh, to rig the uh, caucuses in favor of somebody other than Bernie Sanders. Um, and so there's more to it. I definitely encourage you to do your research and make your own opinion about it all. But uh, it is big news, and it's just ineptitude, as Cody says, at its best. Uh, so uh, to the entire political situation involved there, and the amount of people who just are ignorant enough to try this again, ice up, son, ice up. Do you remember ice just up. a few Tell years, me. just a few years ago, people right before uh, Trump was elected, they were predicting that if Hillary won, the dissolution of the Republican Party. Right now, is that I wouldn't be. I almost feel like the damn Democrats could dissolve as a party because they have no. There's no vision. There's no coalescing there's no leadership there's no, nothing there right now it's the party of other it's the non-republican party and the anti-trump party i guess and that's not even enough so it doesn't even matter poor bernie it wouldn't matter is trump is, I have a, go ahead mark it down trump's gonna win it don't matter who, who after runs this debacle i mean you're you're basically handing the election back to the guy at this point and, and Carl D asked, you know, and this isn't a political podcast, but he asked, how do you know it wasn't the Republicans? Plenty of evidence shows that it's not. <laughs> there is a lot of evidence that's pointing to the fact that this is a Democratic National Convention. One of them being that one of the uh, culprits is actually the wife of one of the candidates in the Democratic race right now. So uh, there's a lot of evidence proving that. But once again, you know, this isn't about politics. It's just to say, listen. If you guys cannot get your stuff together, how do you expect to uh, to unseat the president that is so sorely hated in the current status of the country right now? And really, all it is is just to say this. No matter who you support, no matter what you believe, yeah, whoever wins should be the winner. It doesn't matter if it's a DNC or the RNC. No one should be getting away and trying to stifle people that are actually winning. Mm-hmm. And, and Tony may be right. But if you know Bernie is able to get past the DNC, which yet you know that remains to be seen, if it does, you have a populist versus a populist. So it'll definitely be far more interesting than whatever the hell Hillary Clinton tried to do in 2016. All right, so I don't know. I feel bad for my ice up pick now because he's been diagnosed with cancer. But Rush Limbaugh is gets the Freedom Medal, Medal, Medal of Freedom, huh? Hey, well, you got to uh, remember who's in office. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, but it's just yeah. crazy. Uh, um, I'm going to ice up my um, stock market buy today. As I put, picked on my, pulled up my stock market app, I sold some stock on Micron. By the way, I was listening to Mad Money, and um, uh, Jim Cramer was talking about how he had recently spoke with David Tepper about the um, coronavirus. And how David Tepper says until this thing shakes out can be unsure of the market. He was very bullish a couple of months ago and now he just there's so much uncertainty. Anyway, the market went up today strangely. It shouldn't be going up, but it bounced back. But one of the stocks that I have been eyeing took a little dip. And so I had sold this company that David Tepper actually made a fortune on called Micron. 
So I had a little little bit of cash and I bought it. And if I would have just waited five minutes, five more minutes, it just kept going down. Not like a ton, but I was so pissed at myself. So I'm icing myself up for not having the patience to wait till close to closer to close. But that's it. The name of the stock is ICE, Intercontinental Exchange. I don't even know what the hell it does, really. It's like an investment, like a trading network or something. But uh, the stock market's kicking ass right now. And a lot of companies are beating ass. And Tesla, man, Tesla's the company that's blowing everybody out. Too late. You missed the boat on Tesla, guys. All right, that's the C3 Panthers podcast. I up pulling the trigger too quickly. Um, and make sure you tune in to us next week, Tuesday night, 9 p.m., to talk about the Carolina Panthers. My name's Tony Dunn, at cat underscore chronicles. Cody Lashney, how can they find you? At C-O-D-Y-L-A-C on Twitter. Um, and listen, guys, I've, uh, I'm going to continue to say it. I've been pouring a lot of effort and a lot of love into these uh, draft tech comments <coughs> that I've been writing. Please check them out. Uh, like them and share them on Twitter. Share them with everybody. Um, we're really trying to grow the website and um, you know make it bigger than it is. And uh, we're killing it right now. And there's a brand new player. Like I said, I did a write-up on Andrew Thomas. Go check it out tomorrow uh, at drafttech.com. And uh, first and second round picks for the Carolina Panthers with a little write-up about both of them and the Houston Texans because I write about them also, dude. So, uh, All right, that's Bat it. Da- Bat Daddy, how can they get after you? Uh, just like that, man, at the Bat Daddy 52 on Twitter, or you can check out my other show, Super Civil Service Podcast. Uh, drops every Monday. Check us out. And CK. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Codizzle Allen, C-O-D-I-Z-Z-L-E-A-L-L-E-N. Cody and I, uh, obviously, we're going to be uh, at some point here soon starting to drop content in the middle of the week that has to do with uh, getting uh, better know a uh, Carolina Panthers potential draft pick. Um, and just be looking up for that. For, yes, for, yeah, we'll, for everyone's sake. We'll yeah, on. we'll figure We're working on some content to try to make sure that we fill this week during the offseason because you don't have our postgame uh, you know, podcast to look forward to. Um, so we're going to try to fill your week out a little bit with, even if it's just a little 10-minute video uh, or podcast and, and just something for you guys to look forward to. And if you have any ideas about what those could be, uh, feel free to reach out to me or, or Tony or Cody or anybody or even Greg, um, and we'll uh, see what we can put together for you. But, uh, yeah, just uh, keep an eye out for the YouTube channel to see those things drop uh, from hopefully on a weekly basis. But uh, looking forward to providing you guys something more to look forward to. All right, that's the show, guys. We'll be back next Tuesday and before then, hopefully, with some of those shorts. So send us your content, your questions. Remember, call in throughout the week, and we can even put some of the calls into the shorts. The number's 252-228-5098. We'll check you guys out later. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How do I end this damn stream? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.